Hey everybody, this is Zach. Hey, this is uh, Zach is wrong. <laughs> Zach is not wrong. Zach just has a difference of opinion. <laughs> That's what people say when they're wrong. Um, yeah, so today's episode is on Marvel's What If, the television show. So if you haven't seen that, stop uh, listening to this. Go back and watch those nine episodes. It should only take you a handful of hours out of your life. And then uh, come back here and listen to us jib jab about it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or um, or or get or just listen and then uh, watch them and then I mean, realize where's, honest, where Zach was wrong. Well, I'm gonna be honest. I think we, uh, uh, you know, having having the hours go towards this instead of uh, the D and D movie and your highness and movies like that. It's obviously a better use of your time using it to watch whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of story, in terms of enjoyment, probably yeah, I, for I think, most people. I think you could probably role play those other experiences as like, what if... <laughs> what if I didn't watch those and instead no, watched this? <laughs> no, what if I watched Dungeons and Dragons as a person named Zach... <laughs> Uh, with a very deep emotional attachment to <laughs> basically what is a moldy burrito that you'd find in a dumpster somewhere, but it's your moldy burrito. Delicious. And then what if you watched it as a sane person? You know, if you cook it over a burn barrel, it kills the mold. I mean, I've, I've been playing <laughs> some, some Fallout recently, and that, that, that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> you have radioactive water, you boil it. It's a little, it's a little less bad for you. It's still radioactive, though. <laughs> um before we get into the main topic though we have some Mimi me's to discuss uh i have a handful of things um you don't say yeah <laughs> well we've had a couple weeks off for various reasons <laughs> they've just it, kind of accumulated <laughs> yeah, i feel like you you you're the podcast styling of um i don't ingest a lot of podcasts but uh you're like life living expression, expressing your life and you live it in like media you consume. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not the same style as, as a Kevin Smith, but it's of the same kind of process. Which uh, long winded airbag, I think, is a nice No, no, no. I'd say I'd say you're much more analytic about it. And you okay. have you're you're more like if if you mixed Kevin Smith sharing and Mark Bernardin like deep, thoughtful analysis. Okay. That's more your style. <laughs> I don't know if you listen to the, uh, the, the fat man beyond, but no, I, I, um, used to, but there was a stretch, I think whether, where, where they either went premium or they just weren't posting things. And so I just fell off of it. Oh, well they do that when they have like actual business prob every time, uh, like oh, Kevin, yeah, assuming when they shoot movies and stuff. Yeah. Just, like, yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago, Bernard wouldn't have been as busy, uh, but he does have some stuff now here and there. Um, and, you know, he obviously writes and stuff. Yeah. He's a professional. But, like, Kevin had, like, a month off this past because he was touring for his um, Clerks 3 for a bit. So they had a lot of summer stuff related to that. Oh, he is putting out Clerks 3. You, you know what's really funny about this is that uh, I listen to the podcast. I haven't seen most of Kevin Smith's movies. So I enjoy them talking. I'm not actually like a huge Kevin Smith media fan um, in so, like the least. I've seen the first Clerks and I've yeah. seen 
what is it? Uh, Dogma. Oh, Dogma's fantastic. Recently. That was like in the last year. Well, you know, the funny thing about Kevin Smith is he's he's kind of like um, uh, Tarantino. Like, if you strip out all of the um, tropes that they just kind of hit on, the, mm-hmm. the things that are strong about Kevin Smith's scripts are the same things that are strong about Tarantino movies, and it, it's just straight-up dialogue. Yeah. Like, characters have a tendency to just monologue at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but in realistic ways, like, it's not like Aaron Sorkin style, I'm making a monologue because I'm grandstanding for some reason. It's like the, the characters have important things to say to each other mm-hmm. in their interactions. Um, like, I, I have seen every Kevin Smith movie, and I gotta say, there's there's some real, real stinkers in there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't see Cop Out, I don't think, because I just I think, didn't. <laughs> yeah, I think we watched like the first 30 minutes of that, and then we realized, oh yeah, this is this is a trash fire. Yeah. Uh, like he said it was. Yeah, well, like the um, I, if you get a if you get a chance to watch them, um, I do recommend sticking with the Jay and Silent Bob movies and even his horror movies. He's a really good horror director. Um, Red State is phenomenal. Tusk is some of the best body horror I've ever seen in a movie. Like Tusk ranks up there to me. Like Tusk to me is like a comedy version of a david cronenberg film mm-hmm. like if for whatever reason cronenberg just stopped being this nihilistic bleak son of a bitch and was just like you know what i'm gonna make a comedy <laughs> that's the type of comedy he would make yeah yeah he, he'd say you know what i'm gonna stop doing this and then afterwards he's like you know i actually couldn't stop doing it but there is comedy here he's like i can't stop being nihilistic but comedy um yeah, no, the, uh, the, the, I will say the one movie that you have to absolutely know, like, every bit of View Askew Universe trivia and, like, listen to his podcasts and follow his friends is the, uh, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no wonder that movie got so thoroughly reamed by critics Mm -hmm. because like even as a kevin smith fan i was like that's i don't know who's going to enjoy this movie (laughs) um they do some really funny things in there though like the the, there's a scene where they're running through a convention that's based around kevin smith properties Mm -hmm. and um there's a panel on clerks and it's all the cast members of clerks at the uh at the uh, panel table answering mm-hmm. questions and everything around them is in color but they're all in black and white <laughs> it's a really funny gag <laughs> yeah um it's interesting but, uh, he talks a lot about creating like uh knowing how to make his own stuff yeah and it's uh i mean he's obviously informed by other things but i feel like yeah. Uh, like Tarantino, well, different than Tarantino because I'd say Tarantino is um, like a like a transformist. He obviously has his own unique touch, yeah. But the um, 
I've never been to a great Asian fusion place, but I'm going to use it for this metaphor. If you went to a really great Asian fusion place, yeah. it's because they're able to take from all these different influences, but they still have their own stylistic touch with it. And I feel like he's really good at that. Whereas I feel like Kevin Smith is like, he self admits himself. He knows how to make his own stuff. Yeah. And sometimes his own stuff is really his own stuff. And then sometimes it's really informed by um, other things. Like he had a, on the podcast, he talked about uh, Tusk and how it followed the story track, story beats of like another story that was like, uh, and when I heard him mention it, I'd have to look it up again. Um, and it, I think he was talking to Bernard and Bernard was like, oh yeah, really? Yeah, that's right. It does follow like that kind of, uh, story beat structure, and it's like a, a completely kind of separate movie. You know, it's, huh. it's not something that you'd really expect. Um, I mean, there's a little bit of other stuff in it, like, um, yeah. you know, Stephen King's uh, "What's His Face," where the writer gets captured. Um, You've described like thirty percent of Stephen. No, King's no, the, where the writer gets <laughs> captured and uh, his ankles get broken. Oh, um, oh. Um... Misery. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah I mean, of... I guess it follows those beats pretty well. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's the movie he mentioned, but that's the one that pops into mind, is Misery. Um, yeah, I mean, it... Fully transform. Yeah. It's a fully transformative process, though. Right. Um, and it's more like... It, it is a lot similar, at least in broad strokes... Because in Misery, she's trying to get him to make the work that she wants. Yeah. And in Tusk, he's trying to make him into the work that he wants. Yeah. You know? <laughs> A much more creative sort of act. But anyways, that's enough shilling for Kevin Smith, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, did you want to go first on Mimi Me's or... Um... Uh, probably not. I don't. I don't have anything prepared, but I'll probably think of something. While you're okay. Talking. Gotcha. So I'll just jump in then, because I know we got a lot to to do in this episode. Like you said in the pre-roll, um, this will probably be a two-part episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot to cover, um, yeah. so I'll move quickly. Um, so we recently, because I, w- I think last time we we spoke, or maybe the time before, I was telling you we we finally watched. Um, no way home the spider-man movie well my wife had never seen the amazing spider-mans so we watched those two movies uh you poor bastards i have to say the first one's actually first like, one's if you, got some spots that are that are okay yeah the, the first one's actually like if you judge it by the paradigm in which those movies were made that one's actually good in the same way that the second one is actually really fucking bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know i as a kid um the lizard i think was my favorite spider-man villain so i i think part of it is me going oh yes i finally get to see the lizard on the big screen yeah um, it looks pretty good and yeah it looks pretty good especially considering it came out over 10 years ago um, yeah. It, yeah it looks really really good um there I do are, like how they lampoon his idea later, which is great. In yeah, yeah, yeah in No Way Home, when yeah. <laughs> he's like, "That would be great. That would be fantastic." 
Um, the second one, like if if uh, you follow me on Instagram, I recently changed my uh, my avatar picture to Paul Giamatti doing the the work print recording in his stupid fucking rhino costume, where for some reason, even though all you can see is his badly CGI'd head mm -hmm. in, in, in the little mech, um, he's still in his like Russian mobster outfit <laughs> mm -hmm. for some reason, and he's just kind of dancing behind this contraption. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like I even as a kid, I found the rhino uh, really, really dumb as a villain. <laughs> Um, I love the uh, the design of him in the um, animated cartoon series, the '90s one. Yeah, where he's just like a big guy. He's a big guy in what is basically a rhino sex suit. Like yeah. if you had a kink, yeah, it's like a if, kink suit. Yeah. If you had a kink where you wanted to bang a dude in a rhino suit, that would be the rhino suit that you would make for him. If you read the comics. And see him in the comics. For some reason, he's gigantic. He's like two kingpin sizes. Mm -hmm. Yep. And he's just a just a giant person. Like he's just a big dude in a kink suit. Still, like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I like the idea of kind of grounding it a little more. Um, I know it's it's probably a reaction to Nolan grittying up uh, Batman. But I I like the the uh, the inclination to turn the rhino into a giant mech because that's really the only i think non-silly way to do <laughs> um the rhino it's it's just they had to they had to use paul giamatti in his stupid fucking russian accent yeah <laughs> complicated spider-man yeah <laughs> It's uh, it's pretty great. I, I feel, though, you could have done um, like they did for Deadpool 2, which was kind of hit or miss in different scenes where you have... Um, oh, like with Juggernaut? Yeah. 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 But then Paul Giamatti's like tiny head at the top of like the rhino would have just looked a little weird. Um, with the Juggernaut, you kind of get away with it because he's wearing that helmet most oh, yeah, of the you time. You can't really see his face. So. Yeah. And he does have a huge head. But within perspective, you can like play it off because it yeah. just looks somewhat proportional. But even then, like the Juggernaut is so big and his head is just like <laughs> this little thing. <laughs> it's like if you put like a Pez dispenser uh, on top of like a baby's head on like yeah. a baby's head. That's the proportion that you're dealing with. Just like thickness in this tiny little brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and and just just a comment on the um, the the setup of the world that they're in in those two movies. Um, even when we were watching them, um, mm. I don't know how old Tom Holland is. Um, he he plays younger very well. Mm -hmm. um, with Andrew Garfield and um, oh, what is it, Emma Stone in. Mm -hmm. In these movies, um, neither one of them play younger very well. Mm -hmm. And they want us to believe that he's in high school. Mm -hmm. 
And so what you end up with is someone who also, I think he was like close to 30 when he shot this. Yeah. So you have someone who looks like a 30 year old in high school being like, oh, I just I can't talk to this girl because that's very yeah. weird. Like he, he's playing Peter Parker very weird. Well, um, see, the thing is like, I, what caught me the most with him playing Peter Parker and talking about the interaction between the two of them, one, he's like way too, well, he's way too attractive and confident as well. <laughs> like he's very attractive. He's very yeah. confident. And the sense you get is that him and Emma Stone are just going to bone. Like they're going to bone. Like there's no. Yeah, I think they actually dated it. Really. Well, they, they did so, date. Yeah. 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 And so they, you have their actual on screen chemistry and their real chemistry. But he doesn't feel like he's an outsider reaching in to try to like get to her, right. which is something that's portrayed with with the McGuire performance, with uh, Holland and his romantic interests. Um, but with Garfield, it's like, oh yeah, he's totally gonna bang that. I mean, he's he's a babe, you know. Yeah, he's an attractive looking dude, and he's obviously charismatic. But then they have to play off their their chemistry and like their line making. Uh, which it, it feels like improv in some cases. And it, it just really had that feeling in a lot yes. of places. Yeah. And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't communicate well. Cause it's, it doesn't feel like, Oh, he's like an outsider trying to get with her. Yeah. It's more just like, um, yeah. Like, Oh yeah. You're, you totally got the girl. Like you didn't even have to try here. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, and even the, the, conceit of him kind of stumbling in and getting his superpowers and blah 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 like i i feel like sam raimi captures that a little bit better in his his versions um mm -hmm. just because the setup of like i know that they're going to a gifted stem school mm -hmm. i gotta call bullshit on them letting high school students run around in a genetics lab unattended as as like workers <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> like just on the face of like uh labor laws like i i know when when i was uh working for a a um, communications company we had uh interns come in from from the local school like from from georgia state and, and georgia tech um and they they were basically because of they weren't being paid you couldn't ask them to do anything that was relevant to the field. So mm -hmm. basically they were just hanging around in your, your office, just staring at you and you would just be talking to them about how you use certain things. But a lot of the systems that I used specifically were proprietary. And so I couldn't share that with them. Yeah. <laughs> like what I was doing with, with uh, the, because this is pre-AdSense for digital marketing, so everyone had their own little way of, of flighting things. Um, so, like, there were things that, like, I I was specifically told by my boss, yeah, you, you can't show them how to do these things on this piece of equipment because it's proprietary. And it's like, well, then what fucking, like, what are they doing what, here? What are they then? doing here, then, like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's literally just a waste of their time and slowing me down, and you're looking at what I'm doing to judge whether or not I'm doing a good job and deserve to be here. <laughs> like, you're making my numbers look bad, and they're not learning anything. <laughs> so, anyway, go putting that in, in perspective of this fantasy world movie, um, yeah, I, I gotta call bullshit on them just running around unattended in the science lab. <laughs> 
yeah, I'm just gonna touch a couple beakers and uh, you know move some stuff around. I no mean, it deal. looks like they were all working on projects, though. They had, like, folders and things at these yeah, tables, yeah. and they were working at them. Yeah. Touch a couple beakers and look into some files on the company and see yeah. what kind of access they have. Yeah. Totally. Um, I will say that, I, I, you know, this has the benefit of being 10 years newer than Sam Raimi's movies, but the, uh, the CG in this actually kind of holds up. Um, now, the downside to that is so much of it is shot at night mm-hmm. that a lot of it is kind of dark and blurry. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, say the suit stuff is pretty good when he's swinging through the yeah. way that the suit well, like moves on his body. Yeah. Like, well, and I really like his suit in this. I prefer it to the um, the original. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. Or the, the, uh, the, the Raimi one. Uh, um, the 70s and, show one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the seventy show one. The uh the the uh well and and Spider Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although do it I do like the fact that Spider Man has a uh, a spider mech and a spider buggy. Mm-hmm. Um But I yeah, no, like the, the uh the Andrew Garfield Spider Man I think does the best job in No Way Home. Um like he he is a, a grieving broken Spider Man and I I'm I'm just like you said or like I, I was saying earlier to to you before this, that mm. I think I'm just attracted to those types of stories and those types of characters. So, um, you know, your yeah. mind may yeah, vary. You, like, you like to see yourself on screen. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, what's but... fun, funny thinking about him talking about Grieving Broken? Uh, I feel like he's sort of playing a little bit of the part that you get um, with Spider-Verse in the old uh sort of fat spider-man not the blonde one yeah but the uh the fat peter parker right he's like yeah he's like broken away from his relationship um i mean him forcefully and then he's uh you know got to figure out how to get back in it so that's his kind of redemption thing so he played that papa spider role i think really well whereas mcguire was was still charming in like his kind of childlike way that I feel like Maguire likes to play roles, especially that role in I particular. See, I feel like he just didn't want to be on screen. Like the, that, the, That's the thing. I feel like there's a standoffishness. So like there's that charm, but he's not Papa Spider. Like there's still yeah. like there's a distance there. Like you feel like there's an emotional distance he has. Yeah. Um, well, and he's he's just not 100% invested, I don't think, in the in the role any longer. Just mm-hmm. I, like I know that he, he was... Um, you know, pretty seriously f- physically injured <laughs> or during the shooting of the first one or the second one. Um, yeah, it was the first one, and then coming back to the second one from that jockey movie that he was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so so I, I can understand that to some extent. Uh, you know that you want him in here, and they probably paid him a assload of money to come he's, back. He's very interested in getting paid, so he'll show um, up if you want to pay him. But yeah, like during during No Way Home, it like every scene he was interacting with them with, it was just like, yeah, I guess I guess we're gonna save the world or whatever. I don't know, fuck mm-hmm. it. Like here's my spider suit. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I will say the there was a very funny bit in that that movie where where they're all comparing the different like powers that they have, like the different variations of powers that they have, and he's like. 
they're, they're, uh, Garfield and Holland are, are commiserating on how they, they made their, their web shooters and slingers. And they ask McGuire, and he's like, nope, just comes out of my wrist. <laughs> Is that the only place it comes like, out of? Really? That's gross, but cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, like if anyone is interested in seeing um, Amazing Spider-Man, I would say see it, but just don't watch the second one if you don't want to. Um, the The second one is is uh, laughable. Yeah, yeah, like there's some also weirdly gross bits because you know spoilers. Emma Stone plays Gwen Stacy, and Gwen Stacy, you know, famously gets murked in the comics you know what's really great about the second one though is it took sony three movies to get to kind of the over bloated film with the original raimi trilogy and they they outperformed themselves because it only took (laughs) them two movies (laughs) to fill it with too many bad guys and villains to try to overcomplicate the plot because they're just salivating at a sinister six idea like they just they they want to populate their spider-verse with as much like money-making franchises as possible um they really do um i think it's hilarious um the morbius film them them seeing someone seeing all the memes online and going oh the kids actually want morbius and putting it back in theaters and it making even less money yeah than the first time like i want to say when they put it back in theaters it only made like ninety thousand dollars yeah <laughs> like domestically <laughs> yeah i really i really want to know who got chewed out after that um because it was it was well deserved yeah um, yeah but but yeah no like the, this movie like the the they the the, the second amazing spider-man they do some really gross things like with gwen stacy dying um just the you know the sickening crunch is her head whips back and her neck cracks and the back of her skull hits pavement mm-hmm. um is real gross um the treatment of uh jamie fox's electro like weird it really weird like they took a beautiful man and then made him kind of offensively ugly (laughs) (laughs) like what they did is kind of a crime like they went out of their way to make him as miserable looking as possible yeah for for why though like really really why yeah like you could have it like he could just look like himself and just be super awkward and you still get across oh he's just awkward and he doesn't have any friends i mean i i guess i i kind of see it because like there would still be people who would be friends with him because he is an attractive person you know and i feel like that's maybe what they experienced like they maybe they did like a photo shoot right they did like yeah. interactions and they had garfield to jamie fox they had him interact and then the execs watched it and they're like oh this this looks like jamie fox's movie like we need to we got to do something else <laughs> Like he he's taken up too much of the camera, like he's taken up too much shine. We got to give him a glow down, uh, in order to like make this work. Yeah, yeah. Now I will say them casting Dane DeHaan, moi, 
this mm-hmm. so good as Harry Osborn because that actor, like, I don't, I don't want to be mean or a bully, but fuck it, he's he's you know worth more than I'll ever be. Um, mm-hmm. That man has the most punchable face I have ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, I just, he's good. Yeah, like maybe they shouldn't have had two um, villains of that level in this one movie because. You know, even the way that they have Electro in this, like, I remember him from the show, the TV show from the 90s, as kind of being a jokey character. In this, he's, um, like, godlike levels of power. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, 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 it was kind of weird, but kind of cool how they, they framed the second one um so i i don't know i guess if you really really like the first one to the second one um i didn't have a super great time with it. <laughs> like i was just sitting there my wife was like why why why, why are we watching this one <laughs> yeah i feel like they also run into they were like oh well we covered the goblin face up let's not do that with dane dehan <sighs> and so let's just make him look really weird yeah and have really sharp teeth um <laughs> Why the teeth? Why? Yeah. <laughs> um, but from one one superhero movie to the next, uh, I also saw the uh, the Batman Soul of the Dragon film. Soul of the Dragon. Yeah, okay. it's in the so it's in the DC animated universe. That's the one where he's a samurai. No, 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 no. That's that's a uh, Batman Ninja. Um, so Soul of the Dragon is actually really, really fucking cool. In in my opinion, like it's it's what I want to see from the animated wings of these superhero um, mm-hmm. properties. Um, I I will say that the DC animated films are fucking killing it. Like whoever's doing the writing for those. Um, I mean, I know largely they're adapting old storyline runs. Mm-hmm. but soul of the dragon is it's a kung fu movie set in the 70s <laughs> wow um and it's it's not even a huge time invested investment i, I want to say it's only like 70 minutes so it's like three episodes of the animated show mm-hmm. um strung together um it's it's kind of like um who is the who are the other people because it's it's also a team up movie so you know he he teams up with you know bronze tiger and lady shiva and richard dragon like they they form this this team to keep um a a uh, evil from another dimension coming through right these gates on this island so it's kind of got the, that that uh feel of um Return of the Dragon, um, the the Bruce Lee movie. Um, I, I I don't know. It's it's really cool to see them take this property and putting it just in a different time period and and imitating a uh, different style of movie. Um, you know, so I I highly recommend it. It's it's not a huge like I said time investment. Um, but it's 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 definitely fun. Um, I could see it as one of those like other worlds mm-hmm. lines if they were to a, if they were to have adapted this from a comic, um, 
that I'm unaware of, it would probably be in one of those lines where, you know, they're like, hey, what if Batman were an actual vampire? <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, so you kind of have to, to like that, that like what if aspect to the, the, yeah. the property. Interesting looking at the box art uh, compared to like the animation art, which is typical like, you know, since like Paul Dini was in back in the day, sort of that, uh, not even really like cell shaded style, but just kind yeah. of like fill in this whole thing and have like a gradient. Yeah. Um, which works fine. I guess the last one I watched was the uh, Doomsday one. Um, which I, didn't oh, I think, haven't seen that one. I didn't think it was that great. Um, I feel like they just had to cover like so much because it goes through like several different issues in the original arc. Oh, um, yeah. And so they have to kind of like truncate it really short. Yeah. Um, but I've seen, uh, some clips of the other one, like, uh, one of the other ones that has like the owl in it and the owls like fighting Batman. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, um, well, you know, they good. did a two part version of, uh, or, uh, adaptation of long Halloween, um, mm-hmm. which is actually really good as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, so, so soul of the dragon and th- this was the other thing I was like, there's something about his costume that I wanted to bring up. Um, I love different variations of the Batman costume. Like, I just love seeing what different lines do with it. Um, mm-hmm. This one kind of goes with the, the like, literal vampire bat, at, uh, like, ears on yeah. the cowl. Um, so they kind of, like, it kind of has a Wolverine aspect to it. Yeah. Um, kind of looks like a can opener. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, or like a bug, like a set of bug pincers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just mm-hmm. like seeing how how different writers will will instruct artists to do the outfit as well. Um, it's nice. It's kind of classic-ish. It feels kind of classic. Yeah, I mean, it um, kind of looks like the the old serials that they yeah. they put out in the the forties, um, just because they just had loose fabric. <laughs> Yeah, and he only looks like he's on a little bit of roids, not like all the roids. Yeah, he's he's much sleeker. Sleeker. Yeah. He's, it's not it's not the the Frank Millery like I look like a thumb. Yeah. <laughs> Even type. those Paul Dini ones, like when you're looking at like Superman and like Batman, well, especially Superman. Yeah. He just looks like a barrel, like a, a, a <laughs> blue and red barrel. Yeah. With, <laughs> with a red towel on him. I mean, yeah. I love that style. Um, I really do. <laughs> Because uh, there's still there's still a little bit of like hand touch sort of feel with it, um, so and then the backgrounds, yeah, uh, that they did that are kind of like matte. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, and then uh, let's see, I've got a couple more things. So I a a recently released um, as of this recording. Um, netflix documentary that's i think based on a podcast um called trainwreck woodstock 99 <laughs> um trainwreck is a good uh description of it like it so so it's a it's a three episode thing um i mean not of the documentary but of of the actual event um when this was going on i was not even in or maybe i was going into high school when this happened so i wasn't really aware of it um other than like mtv coverage Mm. but 
<clears throat> there are things that I was not aware of that the ensuing decades have kind of twisted where like you know you see a lot of times where where people are like yeah it's it's uh limp biscuits fault that everyone started rioting and burning shit down right like they were egging mm-hmm. them on and whatnot and it's like i don't know like they show clips of the performance and they have interviews with people behind the stage and people who were actually there um and like you can tell that like fred fred durst is kind of controlling the crowd and that he's like amping them up and it's it's probably not great that they they played like break stuff right Mm -hmm. but it's not it's not dissimilar from what he would normally have done in a concert as far as yeah (laughs) and have more he was to do with the lack of sanitation that they had there and like a whole bunch of other shit and and so that's the other thing is that they um so Lim Biscuit played Saturday night, right? There's a whole other day of the concert. Like all mm-hmm. of the riots and fighting and fires and stuff happen. Um if any band can be re- like point like I, I don't think any band is responsible. Like it's a hundred percent the management, them charging eight dollars for bottles of water, um taking away water from people as they came in um food vendors charging outrageous rates for food like it's they they're they're like when i saw the prices for food i was just like oh yeah that's like the mall now but it's like well yeah but in 1999 (laughs) um you can't get away with charging 16 dollars for a for like a little plastic container salad right yeah I would expect to pay that now if I were to go to like shaky knees or something. Yeah. That would have been like $40, um, $50. Yeah. Like, so, so like, unfortunately that's the lesson that businesses took from it. But, um, you know, if, if any band can be blamed for, for, uh, escalating the situation, um, honestly, the chili peppers did the worst cause they close out the show um the mayor of the town that's hosting them says hey you need to go out there and have them stop they're they're tearing down the sound towers and stuff like that mm-hmm. and apparently anthony Kiedis is just like nah they're not going to listen to me right mm-hmm. uh then they go out to play their encore and what do they play but Jimi hendrix's fire mm-hmm. this is after fires have already started it's like i don't know guys like that just seems like (laughs) everyone's forgetting that the chilies played fire or active fires being started in a crowded theater (laughs) yeah um but yeah no it's it's really weird to see the executives that kind of put it all together um not taking ownership of things that they were responsible for like the promoter is saying yeah well you know we weren't in charge of food prices because we sold those rights to someone else and it's like okay why (laughs) you you decided to sell them without any like restrictions on what they were charging or anything too yeah um everybody's there to get a piece that's that's what that's all about also like tickets um so michael lang is the guy that put on the very first woodstock and like he he died i think earlier earlier this year or 
earlier last year. Um, and he, like, so the first Woodstock, granted, I know it was 69, but I want to say tickets for that were like between 10 and $20 for three days, right? They had free food tents, this, that, and the other, right? It, it was very much his vision of like, yeah, people are going to come and play and listen to music and have a good time. By the time you fast forward 30 years later, he's like every other hippie boomer who has decided, no, no, I'm going to gobble up all of the money. Because yeah. for for this one, they they um, they were charging like $250 a ticket. Yeah. In in 1999, like I'm not paying $250 a ticket to go to Shaky Knees, no. <laughs> which has a much better lineup of bands, in my opinion. Um, plus all the food vendor stuff, like they had ATMs on site, um, just for people to just give them their money. It's just like it's like a hundred percent the promoter's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like there is funny footage of someone who is a uh, who's still living who went to the first Woodstock and was a photographer at the second one, um, and apparently management did not like they 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 either didn't or they they didn't hold their contractors accountable for like taking away trash and so all the shots you see there's trash everywhere. And mm -hmm. it just keeps accumulating because it's overflowing the trash cans and wind picks it up and blows it everywhere and whatnot. Um, there's a lady who like grabs trash bags and runs around in a golf cart and starts handing attendees bags to pick up stuff. She's like, this is the spirit. Like everyone's supposed to, to pick up after themselves like we did at Woodstock and blah, 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 blah. Like just just this fucking mouthy boomer. And it's like, I know my, re if I paid $250 for attending a, a festival in 1999, fuck mm -hmm. that. You guys can pick up trash. Yeah. I've paid the price to be here. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I'm not, you know, also all, all of the mud that you see them throwing around, um, is sewage. Um, mm -hmm. All of the mud is is like piss and shit from that ran downhill from overflowing porta potties. Mm. Gross. Delicious. Um. The wa apparently the water ins inspector or the county like water commissioner said that they took samples of the drinking water before the concert started. Mm. And on Monday, when they went back to their specimen labs, it smelled like a decaying body in the lab they had it stored in. Mm -hmm. And the Petri dishes were just this, like, black sludge. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, none, none of the water was safe for them to drink, which they didn't bother testing before the concert. Mm -hmm. um, like, it's just a, like the documentary says, train wreck. Just absolute shit show. Yeah. It's just people <laughs> coming in to make you know smell some blood in the water and uh let's yeah. milk this for as much as we can yeah, yeah. um there's like uh, other stuff that happened there too like a lot of assaults that occurred like, of like yeah there were there were seven um yeah. probably more that didn't come forward um yeah the, and whenever they cut to the promoter he's like well we didn't hear about that until afterwards and it's like well yeah but like how do you like how, what is your response to 
you being in charge of the safety of some people and and he's just like well i mean what are we gonna do like how can we stop that Mm -hmm. it's like i don't know maybe hire people that you don't pay 50 dollars in a free t-shirt to be security like maybe contract security out outside of that (laughs) well yeah like so so speaking of that there are so famously um fat boy slim if 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 you're you're aware of of this concert famously fat boy slim uh is called a coward because he stopped his set in the middle and um of, of his his set in the rave tent um and just like disappeared right and they're interviewing him and he's like okay so um yeah i i thought everything was going fine i was playing music the crowd looked like they were having a good time and then this this van just started coming through the crowd and i thought it was part of the show so i just kept playing like very slowly like edging its way through so people could get out of the way and it's coming mm-hmm. out of the dance floor and he's like i just i thought it was part of the show or or like it was a platform that they were bringing in i i don't know what's going on it's a dark tent i just have lights for my my booze and then you know maybe 10 minutes later someone comes and gets me and says uh you need to leave your shit and get in this car and go because like someone at that level like he has handlers and he's like oh okay um i guess i'm going to this airport and sleeping in the terminal overnight then it cuts to the security guy who's like yeah you know we went to this van and the guy behind it uh was very glassy-eyed like obviously did not know where he was um and you know pulled open the the cargo hatch of the the van and there's an unconscious like the guy said it was pretty apparent that she was like 14 or 15 just unresponsive skirt pulled down shirt pulled over her head and a dude buckling his pants Mm. And yeah, the only thing we could do is call her an ambulance and have her taken away. And it's like, I've never heard that story before this documentary. <laughs> that is that is horrifying. And they should 100% be held accountable for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, there are some harrowing bits in this documentary that that. Um, pretty sure that everyone involved should have been prosecuted because like there there were um people speaking who were like yeah you know before you know i was 21 when i was made the head of guest services for this they paid me 400 dollars to be here and i thought that was perfectly reasonable because i could see these free shows um but yeah no like there's a real toxically masculine like culture on site where like you know you have crowd shirt a bunch of shirtless white dudes running around um you know circling up on women who are like taking their top off and like chanting at them to get naked like Mm. threateningly enough to the point that there's a documentary crew or not there's a um like a pay-per-view section that they had sold rights to where they were like yeah they didn't give us any guidelines so we just took our cameras and wandered through the crowd (laughs) um like to the point where the host of that is like, "Hey, God, like back up, back up, like give her some room. Yeah. <laughs> like, stop, you're being creepy." Like some dude in 1999 said, "Stop, you're being." Creepy. 
to a bunch of dudes. Like that's the atmosphere of this show. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's uh, it was not a good time and I don't know, the people responsible aren't being held accountable, but you know, surprise, surprise. Um in happier topics, I also finally finished Moon Knight. I say finally because it's just six episodes and it is in my opinion probably some of the most boring things that i've seen uh, i was really let down because i really like moon knight yeah i feel like the first episode was really strong um for me um and then there's some stuff that's kind of entertaining yeah like uh near the end sort of the hippo lady forget the hippo god she was funny um yeah she looks good like the cg looks good yeah and i don't i don't know they were and this is kind of the thing i feel like they were trying to do um i kind of feel like it gets disney plusified so they're trying to like handle really serious subject matter and so they do that while addressing you know um you know this uh this identity disorder um uh, you know which i don't have much clinical knowledge about other than popular media so i won't speak too much on that um and then they you know have like the superhero story that they try to do but then they they sort of have to fit the mold of like okay not too pg-13 you know yeah. we don't want to go too hard on that and so it just doesn't <clears throat> And I almost feel like the fact that they kept um, what's his face, the cab guy personality from getting too far into the series has to do with like, okay, how are we going to introduce this? He's a really violent character. He obviously <laughs> likes to take people out. So let's just let's just keep him towards the end um, and not really involve him too much. And then we can figure it out, yeah. you know, maybe later. Um, so the first episode I thought was cool. And then it it kind of seems like they I don't know, didn't, didn't really have a ton of focus in what they were trying to do. Um, and maybe, I mean, maybe it's difficult to introduce all these Egyptian gods. Um, yeah, honestly, you know. I'm surprised that they did Moon Knight. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I know that they had it advertised for a while. I, given the climate, I, I don't know... Like, it's all well and good that Moon Knight started, what, in the 70s or 80s? And then slowly developed. I think Warren Ellis was the first, or maybe, maybe it was Jeff Lemire was the first person to kind of be like, oh, no, all of these personalities are the same person, just jammed into one body. Yeah. Um, like, in the, I think he did that in the late 90s or maybe the early 2000s. Um, currently, I do I would not have wanted to be responsible for show running this show. <laughs> no. Trying to navigate those waters of what is what is what is uh, compassionate but also in the spirit of this show. Like that's a really thin line to walk. Um, yeah. Which I think they did yeah. well, not yeah. being afflicted with this. Um, mm -hmm. that, that type of disorder. But um you know it, it's it's uh they they handled it 
compassion as compassionately as you can when when the whole crux of it is yeah one of my, my some of my personalities make me a superpowered hero yeah um yeah if you want to see a, a character that questions themselves um and not really have a fur because they talked about this too within the development of moon knight and doesn't have a sense of like who he really is and like trying to understand that and really get a really great treatment of that uh i've talked to zach a ton of time about this and i don't it's probably down somewhere like 1326 in his queue but the first two seasons of legion are so fantastic they're so good um, so I, I took Amazon money that I had from like a birthday several mm-hmm. years ago and bought all three seasons just based on your, they were having a sale. It was like mm-hmm. $10 for season one and two, and then like 15 for season three, cause it had just come out or whatever. Yeah. And, um, I, st- I have it in my queue. I, just haven't I know you do. Like, I know you do. You son of a bitch. I know you do. <laughs> I've, I've purchased it. I just yeah. don't. <laughs> I have not watched it yet. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like you should make uh, that a show topic. Maybe the. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. I think it is on one of my other. Uh, okay. <laughs> one of my blank spots. Um, it's on. I I believe I've talked about it briefly um, during one of the Mimi Me's a couple years ago. I haven't finished the third season, um, but the first two seasons are just so great. Um, and it's not even because they really have you running for the first season. Um, but even then, stylistically, some of the stuff they do, especially with the camera work, is just so fun. Um, and there's an element of I'm not well versed enough in. Uh, in the, there's an element of. I don't know if I want to say can't psychedelic camp um or psychological camp and like absurdist psychological camp um and i feel like due to the time period that they placed the show originally in, i believe it's supposed to start in like the late 60s or 70s for the first season and so you have like that kind of style feels like permeating it's just it's so good it's so good um <laughs> so yeah it's it's my next thing on our blank spot for myself is legion so i can i can finally stop telling you to and if you don't like the first two seasons um you just tell me and we'll cancel the episode so i don't have to yell at you <laughs> but um it's great it's really great the third season i'm trying to get into a bit more just because i i didn't get to it until like two years after it came out um so it's kind of like uh it's almost better if you have like a relationship with something and then you kind of fall out of that language and then you have to kind of like come back into the language so i don't know if i need to rewatch the first two seasons or just bite the bullet and just go ahead and finish it (laughs) um but yeah no i i um there's definitely better media out there. I I would say skip Moon Knight personally. I it's it's kind of a drag. Yeah, I'd say there's some fun bits. I think um, 
I think they could have done some other stuff. Yeah. Like there's some interesting elements there. Um, and some interesting moments, but yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really deliver too hard. I feel like I, I enjoyed the Hawkeye show more. Even Hawkeye though the Hawkeye... Is probably, Hawkeye and Loki are my favorites, I think. Yeah. Hawkeye, I feel like took a two, three episodes to get going. But even those two or three episodes, I was still like, oh, yeah, I want to keep them watching, you know. Um, and I think Renner and um, what's her name's um, chemistry was just really great um, yeah. and kind of kept me going through. And even uh, the Swordsman, really great, too. You know, it's 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 uh, really fun and I think lends to a show when you have minor characters that are just so charismatic or bring like a spice to the show mm-hmm. that um, it really keeps things uh, going for you. Like when you have someone who's just like, Oh, they take up the screen, they get your interest, like you're invested in their storyline, even though if you're not really sure the conceit for that, the swordsman character, Oh, is he going to be like the big bad? Is he not going to be the big bad? And, um, yeah, when you have someone that cares about, and that you want to see again, not because he has really cool powers or because um, his costume's really cool, but you just really found entertaining the way that that actor kind of played the character um, and kind of went through it. And even Echo in there. Echo's really interesting as well, uh, which, you know, I guess why that's they're, they're giving her in a whole other series that she could do all by herself. So, yeah, yeah, Hawkeye is solid. Moon Knight, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe sometimes when they have so many other elements to sort of balance out, like when you're trying to show what his powers are, I guess when you're trying to do a lot of things at once, and I feel like there is a okay, well, we got to communicate to the viewer like what's going on, what these powers are, what, what's sort of the background to them. You have sort of an extra story weight you have to lift um, and get the viewer to follow along. And so I feel like sometimes that can kind of weigh the, um, the narrative down. Even though when you have really good performances um, uh, within Moon Knight, um, Oscar Isaac being one, you know, having a really strong performance uh, throughout the series. So, yeah, I think that that kind of curtails to me and some of the other stuff that I wanted to address in, um, in the What If series. So, yeah. well, well, I mean, let's just go ahead and talk about What If then, because <laughs> that's yeah. me. Yeah, what um, if what if we talk about What If? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. You Unless hear. you had some me, me, me stuff that, that you were able to, uh, to hit upon that you wanted to. Uh, nothing fun. Boring adult stuff. Uh, <laughs> I have a baby that's impending on the way. Um, to be very excited and um, uh, you know, terrified at the same time. I guess that's like if you told, um, not for myself, because I'm not going to get into uh, the obvious, uh, well, unearthed and 
obvious complications about a place like the Playboy and the Playboy Grotto. Yeah. But I'm going to use it as a as, as a brief metaphor. Having a child mentally experienced, it's like if you told random um, 18-year-old teenager, hey, you're going to get to go to the Playboy Grotto. You know, it's going to be a great production. There's beautiful women there. Oh, but it's also full of, like, serial killers that want to chop you up into little pieces. <laughs> Good luck. Um, so there's excitement there. And that really, I was only trying to capture the excitement there. There's a couple uh, different types of excitement there. Yeah. And for some people, the serial killer thing does it for them. Uh, yeah, they don't yeah. want, they know. don't need any of the bunnies. Um, yeah, but other than, than that, and I played uh, a bit of Fallout 76 uh, this week. This is on oh, Super nice. Sale for $9.99. Um, oh, it was only 9 bucks. Yes, they have it on way discounted. Um, and they've done a couple cool things um, since it came out in 2018, so about four years ago now. Okay. There was a... Because originally they didn't have NPCs and, like, storylines related to NPCs, like actual, I guess, characters. They had, like, the... Oh, it was protectrons. Well, yeah, they had they had protectrons. Then you, the idea was, you know, when you go around and you read terminals and you read like notes, yeah, and then you yeah. get on missions. In the regular Fallout universe, you'd do that, and then at the end or through the middle, you'd meet like a person, or like someone like, oh yeah, hey, you found me, blah blah blah. Well, here you'd go, and there'd just be a dead person or like a skeleton or something. <laughs> like you were just chasing ghosts, basically. Because yeah. they, the only NPCs they originally conceived of putting in there, probably for a lot of reasons. Um, one, I could see if they wanted to make it so that, okay, the NPCs are going to be other players. And so you interact with them, which is like, can it can be a nice idea um, and works in other online worlds. Um but for the the Fallout universe, having those like dialogue trees and those interactions, it's kind of part and parcel to the experience of getting to role play, basically. Yeah. Um, their uh, form of that would be like role playing with other characters, and I can see that. I can also see that that's cheaper to do, you know, if they don't have to get all those scripts. Yeah. Hey, the characters will, the other people are going to make the storyline for you. Um, <laughs> hooray. Hooray. And then there's other stuff related to, you know, the past couple years, you know, coming out with, you know, QA wasn't given really as much time and related to production. And even if, and I, I don't know if you could say that has to do so much with big bad company feel like it doesn't feel like it's a you know I'm, I'm not a show for uh any particular company unless one is willing to pay me a lot of money and then if so straight to my dms and just send me the scripts and i will show for you however you want <laughs> um but it doesn't feel like where it's like a ea kind of thing where um you know they're uh trying to undercut like this this work and etc. It feels more like you have a, a company that's now getting bigger, yeah. who's just spread really thin and also is only able to focus on so much at once. Right. Because if you if you had if you had EA right, 
if EA had the Fallout license, you would be insane to think they wouldn't be coming out with a new Fallout <laughs> every single year. All right. Fallout 5. They would make to... that IP work for Yes. Them. Yes. They would make it work like in uh uh like an old uh sexist statement that I could have said. Yeah. Um <laughs> I was I was going to as well. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Let me cut in front of you. So um I wish I had some other uh you know lines related to working. But um so they they would have it out every year. And then it would just be paraded out consistently all the time. Yeah. But instead, you have a company that is focusing on Starfield coming up, I think, in this September. Um, I don't know yeah. it's coming out in September. <laughs> well, conceivably, that's their release date. If they yeah. push it back to January or February, I'll probably be happy. Um, but it's looking good from a visual perspective. I know people are, are if, iffy on the facial animations, but listen. Um, that gets patched out. It, it gets patched out. Also, like the way that they have to voice things, like facial animations for a game that has hundreds and hundreds of characters um, can't be like mo-capped in the same way. Like those are procedurally generated. Yeah. So like in the same way that you have... Um, uh, you can have like a little avatar, like read things to you online. There's not someone who's hand animating all those frames of the mouth, yeah. like crinkling and moving and like tweaking. It's just not Pixar. All right. Yeah. No, this is like the main characters will get like hand crafted animation and the rest of them will have like, okay, this mouth shape works for two and do and stew. And so it's going to be that same kind of mouth shape. And yeah. this is the mouth shape for two when it's angry. This is for it when it's like, you know, uh, a little bit more calm. This is it when it's like quizzical. So it's it's procedural, and there's yeah. there's actual libraries that handle all that rigging. Right. Um, so I don't expect like Pixar level or even like Witcher three level when um, you have like main characters. Or I watched my wife play um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, and yeah, the, the facial animations there are great, Yeah. but watching that game, uh, the second game, there is actions that Aloy does. And if you just kind of pop in and out, you notice it a little bit more, um, then maybe if you're like fully engrossed, like Aloy will say something and have like, oh, you know, this is how, when she doesn't feel like really confident about what she's saying or when she's like trying to express, um, She's unhappy about this thing. And it's the same body language movements like applied to that. It was hand animated and tweaked. You can see the touch in it, right? But it's reused when there's another situation that's just like that. Because why would you completely... Yeah, it would be insane to... Yeah, it's so much much work to do that. So even then, like... Anyways, that was a long uh, side piece. But I'm excited for Starfield looks cool um we'll see how it comes uh it'll be fun to play it probably after a couple months after it comes out uh when things kind of get um washed out with it i think they started with a new engine i'm not sure um because it, it doesn't look like uh it doesn't look like the current fallout set of engines because i think there was there's and again that could be like okay here's the skeleton of an engine 
And then, okay, we've rebuilt it up with like new specs and like new limits and Fallout 3 and um, Fallout 4. Look how they do relation to like the engine that it's built on, the hardware that it's designed to be built on. Like if you play Fallout uh, 4 on like a really base spec PS4, like on first release, and then you load it up into my computer uh, with like a really insane, um, uh, you know, PC and like hard drive and RAM, whatever, you can get the textures like way up there in resolution, the lighting to where it just looks so much better. Um, And so part of it has to do with like optimization and a bunch of other stuff. But but in any case, um, Fallout 76 has had a couple years to come out and get some new DLC with some different uh, storyline elements. And so for $9.99, you know, it's kind of hard for me to find something that scratches that kind of itch Yeah. in the same way. Um, it's like I can play other horror games, but it's not going to be like a Resident Evil 2 experience, you know. Um, and so there's just things stylistically that you really enjoy about um, a specific genre piece. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. Um, you know, definitely getting my money's worth. Um, there is a lot of crafting, and you can buy stuff with real money. Um, I have enjoyed... Um, I went to a campaign with an event where, you know, I'm like level 9, and there's like level 413 players. <laughs> and they were they were in some campaign event where they were just like killing these high level creatures that I couldn't. But if as long as I shot one of them with a single bullet, I could get some of the loot. I'd still be able to loot the bodies. So I got a bunch of cool stuff that way. Uh, so yeah, that's my only fun bit of thing that I've done. I'd say if you're if you like the Fallout universe and you have a I don't know if I'd play it on the original PS4. Maybe it's more stable now. Um, but uh, on PS5, it's good. And I think, I mean, it's still limited to 30 frames per second. So I don't think your experience would be that different on PS4. Um, Or if you have it on PC, you know, you can get it really cheap. And um, yeah, there's storylines and um, uh, a world to kind of experience and go through. And there's a lot more like crafting and item management. So in that sense, I'd feel it's more in line with how you traditionally play like a a hard rpg Mm, you know where you have to figure out like your load okay what kind of build like fiddly and and yeah yeah crunchy yeah Yeah. so you get to play around with those elements a bit more um not that you can't do that but if you're playing fallout 4 you don't really have to worry about your build you can just pick a gun you like, grab some armor, you find some new armor that's better, you put that on. Okay, I'm going to use power armor, and let me just make sure I have fusion cores, whereas you can get really fiddly with the build here. I mean, you could be like a power armor jetpack shooting like giant, you know, um, grenades from like up above as you're flying. Um, So there's just a a lot of other little twiddly build stuff. But that's fun too. If you can get into that and find a way into that, or if that's your bag, yeah. then, um, yeah, you can get some enjoyment out of it. I don't really 
take to that uh, as much. Like I'm not a, I'm more like a light RPG tabletop person and not really like, oh my God, let me min max my burning wheel character to like the nth degree. <laughs> yeah. But if you like that, then, you know, there's, there's some stuff there too. So I re- recommend it for nine ninety nine um, on sale. And then, uh, yeah. So my, my bigger point related to was that you have uh, Starfield Fallout 76 is probably going to lose some focus from a development side after that. And then, you're going to have Skyrim, however long that takes. And then Bethesda says that Fallout 5 is not going to come out till Skyrim. The next Skyrim comes out. So 2035? So, yeah, yeah, probably. You know, so. We'll see. Yeah, I, um, it, well, it's it's funny with Fallout. Um, so we're know, still but, talking about what if, right? We jumped right into it. Oh, that's my fault. That's all I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. So, so, um, with the, the thing with fallout too, is that I, um, fallout as well, not fallout too, um, is, is they, uh, you know, they, they have outsourced the license to Modifius for all the tabletop stuff that, mm-hmm. that they had, um, planned or whatever. Um, and so there's this tabletop war game slash RPG called wasteland warfare, that I initially really wanted to get into, but I don't know anyone who plays it, and you kind of have to do it in person because it's set up like Warhammer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with little painted minis and stuff like that. It's just so expensive to get into it. Like, the two-player starter kit is like $80. Wow. Um, depending on the factions, you know, obviously people would go with certain factions, but they sell um 3d printed plans for like terrain and stuff like that for 15 20 dollars a pop um i'm trying to look here they they do have because it has that rpg element they do have a bunch of free um uh things that like games workshop would charge for warhammer or 40k like they have uh let's see yeah, the Zayton incident, which is just like a scenario for you to play through and give your character the, the characters you'd like level up stuff. Um, you can the buy aliens. New Vegas rules expansion. Um, you know, like they, they have multi-part campaigns that are free, but like all of the little pieces, it's like, do I do I think it's it's prudent to buy three little plastic miniatures of T forty five power armor for forty two dollars? Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that's a uh, um, that's not just not an investment that I can afford. Um, but yeah. they, I, I was looking online. The the reason I bring it up is uh, someone was talking about the Fallout seventy six. I couldn't tell if it was homebrewed, like rules kit or if it Mm. was a legit thing but the rules for doing fallout 76 where you're building your own base um and and uh you know setting up almost like how how like dwarven forge sells those plastic um pieces of dungeon tile that you can kind of piece together uh, it's a bunch of squared off rectangular rooms that you can piece together and build out your base like you would in Fallout 76. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the tabletop interactions would look like for that personally. Um, Cause it, you know, like I said, it's, it's kind of like the Dwarven forge pieces that you fit together. If you're playing D and D like, I, I don't know what reason you would want to do base play unless you just had a gigantic basement with your own like 12 foot table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could maintain. Um, yeah. It, it, very interesting. I just, you know, I would love to get into it. Don't have the bankroll for it. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, you know, when, when you have, uh, cause Warhammer guys, you know, they, they go crazy. You know, you have whole army sets and like tables and you're talking, tens of thousands of dollars easily yeah yeah i know a couple of people that have gotten into it and it's like you just ooh. i um you know during the the when the pandemic started i uh wanted to get into painting minis and so i i bought a bunch of pots and and, uh, like D minis and stuff and i've painted like half of them and then it's like oh this is how i find out that i have a a slight tremor in my (laughs) my right hand and so they come out all kind of looking blurry and smudgy whereas uh, these these friends some of them are are actually like professional artists so they have like the eyes dotted Mm -hmm. on these little like eight millimeter figures (laughs) just like god i just do not have the hand strength for that like i had to buy a uh it's actually for for people who are like hand sewing things but an 8x magnifying thing that sits on a base with a lamp mm. so that i can like actually see what i'm doing <laughs> i need yeah. to get back into it now that we have more room in the house <laughs> yeah it'd be nice yeah so um yeah what if what if what if we did what if finally <laughs> um. um so yeah what if is a season one at least is uh is nine episodes long um interestingly i thought all of these were going to be separate uh stories which i mean they are and they aren't like they're separate stories in the way that uh phase one phase two and phase three of the infinity saga are separate stories you know like they're they're happening but they all lead to something bigger towards the end um, I feel like that's that's a strength. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's you know. that's not a, a criticism. It's, it's yeah. interesting. My, my conception going into it was like, okay, this is going to be like the comic books where every single issue is just a different situation. It was interesting to see them tie it into a larger story. Yeah. I think the, that's the what strength? Yeah. The what if separate though? There is there is some fun in that because if you have like a one shot deal with a what if story, then you can just go far far afield. You know, you can totally screw up a character's life. You can, like, destroy the world. And to be fair, that didn't really stop him from doing that. No. You know, Doctor Strange's world gets... Multiple people's worlds get messed up. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really know what to expect when I came into it. Um, I think I was just casually waiting. Yeah. And then when it popped in as available, we just started watching it and taking it in. Yeah, no, and, and um, you know, the, the way that they're presented, um, each one of them is titled kind of like a uh, an old single 
floppy issue would be because like there's there's uh, one iconic one I think of like what if the Punisher killed Spider-Man um, that like lampoon Spider-Man's uh, first appearance you know mm-hmm. um, and so they, they do that kind of with the title cards for this where you know episode one is what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then it goes through from there where they just, you know, plot out the, uh, the, the, uh, framework of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting them, them releasing it when they did in, um, August, October, a couple of years ago. Um, you know, that's them before they announced that the next arc rather than being like, or the follow-up to the infinity saga is the multiverse saga it's like okay this is how they're they're introducing that concept to the greater um, or the wider fan base yeah mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense we've had little bits and pieces like little breadcrumbs dropped but this was like the um the biggest narrative form of exploring that concept with an yeah. audience really getting them used to like oh what does this mean what does this mean um and how the different universes can really um shape up uh, looking quite differently for you know to reuse that word the characters and the kind of stories you can tell and um, even tonally watching uh the episodes again it was you could see that they obviously had distinct tones set up for certain episodes um and so even with um the you know what if marvel zombies verse had a bit lighter in tone than the um middle and ending of the uh, doctor strange episode right which was much more intense you know and brooding yeah so yeah do you want to start kind of by numbers yeah yeah we can do do uh yeah let's start by numbers so so yeah so the uh first episode and and the way i did it is i just kind of like wrote down gut reactions to these episodes as i watched was watching Mm -hmm. um so what if captain carter were the first avenger um i think it's i like the lovecraftian element of of this one where they're they're trying to use the tesseract to open a portal mm-hmm. summon in this this tentacled monstrosity that you don't even really see you just see the tentacles coming through this hole yeah um it's like as if if uh the mouse's perspective if you stuck your hand in a cartoon wall and we're reaching around for for uh, jerry or tom or whoever the the mouse is and mm-hmm. that duo um I like the fact that they have uh, Steve Rogers get paralyzed and now he's piloting a mech. Like that's, that's still kind of cool. Yeah. His mech is like, just it's, um, I love the diesel punk quality to it. Cause yeah. that, that's an overlooked subgenre, I think. And a lot of it has to do, I think with the fan base knowing that you're always going to have people who want to be those et- shitty edge lords and be like, well, I'm going to do the Nazis because this is cosplay only. Wink, oh, wink. No. 
And so, like, Diesel Punk, 100, like, like the Rocketeer would be an example of Diesel Punk. Yeah. Like, very, very light version of Diesel Punk. But, like, that, like, World War II aesthetic of, like, everyone's covered in, in grime. And <laughs> there's just these big flying fortresses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things, th- like, that was the last period where there were things that were, like, old enough that they couldn't really do the things that they were trying to do safely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. so like with the mech, it's this big thundering, thudding around thing that kind of looks like one of the robots in that old um, Fleischer Superman serial. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like a Obadiah Stane's one, except less. Yeah. yeah, a little bit lower. Well, it feels uh, lower tech. Um, and it does have a more steampunky quality to it. Like the way those pistons are designed to work, uh, you know, they're not calibrated with computer technology. Uh, so there's not a lot of sophistication there. And like maybe the piston misfires and his arm gets shattered into a million pieces. I mean, who knows? Yeah. You know, so there's a little bit of like danger. Um, even um, with steampunk, you know, it's, there's a creation aspect to it, like where I can get to an idea, I can conceive it, and then I can make it, you know? Yeah. But it can be, like, almost magical, you yeah. know? Like, I have that level of, of crafting available to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I'd say from the beginning of the episode here, we got, um, yeah, we got Peggy Carter. We got the fact that she gets. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess I jumped over that, right? Yeah. Well, you're, you're getting getting different features. I'd say I was really uh, sitting next to my wife, and I was as soon as she stepped out of the the mech thing, I was like, "Oh, they just transformed Peggy Carter into the like a step on me queen, basically. Like, please just step on <laughs> they me." They do have her animated like that, right? Like the yes. rippling back muscles and the yes, like. She's oh. a step on me queen, and yeah. I get it. It's it's uh, a little bit of the she hulky kind of vibe here. Um, and she Maybe just not quite as horny as the she looks. No, 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 more, more composed, <laughs> just a little bit more subtle, but more yeah, composed. like I definitely got those vibes of like the step on me queen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, she's just, she's, that's a lot of woman there. Um, yeah. <laughs> kind of like how you have, uh, what's his face from game of Thrones, um, where he has, uh, you know, he's, um, one of the wild, wild folk who's um, really Jonesing for the really tall uh, knight. She's oh, I forget his name, but it's Brienne that he's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was basically him in that moment. Because, <laughs> um, like, yeah, who... I like a big, like a strong, powerful woman, whether that's, like, physically or just, like, personality-wise or et cetera. I grew up with strong women. I it I think it's awesome. It does a thing mentally for me, as far as like, oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Um. So I I really enjoyed uh, her getting that, and also not even just like from a physical sense, because my wife and I were also huge fans of the uh, Agent Carter show, um, and really just sad that it ended. Um, even though it was doing really well with critics. Um, like critically, it was really well received. I think it just wasn't pulling in the kind of ABC numbers 
that they want for the kind of budget um, that they have to put for that kind of show. I bet that's on Disney Plus. I need to watch that. I never watched it when it came out. Yeah, it's been it. it's been a while since it came out. But the thing about it is, I liked um, we liked Agents of Shield, and I'd say uh, sort of like that, except you kind of have um, a little bit of spycraft. She's also just, I mean, I'm not going to hide it. She's just so easy in the eyes. But not just that. She's just so charismatic in that role. Right. Um, and so you have, like, that beautiful style. You know, um, you have the fact that she's having to deal with um, being in a male-dominated world at the time, but also, like, field and, like, mindset. Like, how much can she contribute? And, um, yeah, her and... Um, uh, Jarvis character as well, yeah, um, are just really great uh, together, and it's just fun. It's it's a lighthearted show, so I wouldn't take it as like uh, it's not like a Legion experience. It's a light show, um, and we we enjoyed watching it, and it's fun. You know, if you like spy stuff, uh, that's kind of kind of where that hits. And I really wish it had gotten to go. Especially since that second season ended on a, a cliffhanger. Those bastards—they pulled a, uh, a firefly on us, basically. Um, I hate like it's just like write your season so it's it, it caps off what the story yeah. you're trying to tell. You're never guaranteed another season. Yeah. So that's sad. So this for me was like ah, oh, I get because she voices the character obviously. Yeah. So we get to see. I'd still like to see Agent Carter. Um, because that's a whole different storyline and that's a whole different experience and her having to deal with the loss of Steve as well and continue on and keep on on her mission. That's a whole different thing. So this doesn't really replace an Agent Carter continuation for me. It's just like, I get to see the character again. Um, And I just really like the character. Um, One thing I, I found speaking on that is Agent Carter... That show, and I'm only going to relate this, I'll just relate this to this What If episode, is its own concept in that, you know, it happens after the Captain America movie. She's got to continue on with her mission. You know, you're in a post-Nazi world, but, you know, you're trying to deal with other spycraft and other interests. and, And there's also like the hidden element of Hydra that's obviously there latent, which is kind of cool. Um from a storyline mystery perspective, because obviously they're never going to get rid of it, you know, in, within MCU history. Um, and so that's really interesting for me. The problem I think that this show or this episode suffers from, from like a, a viewer interest perspective is that there is a bit changed. Like obviously she gets to be agent. She's, her, honestly, her lines of dialogue are funnier than what you could get Steve Rogers to do. Steve Rogers, several movies in, gets to like have some funny lines, make yeah. some funny observations. But right off the bit, Agent Carter is she's funny, you know, she's charismatic, she has more of a wry kind of wit, um, and so you get to see all this uh, strength and power, um, but also just like a bit more lighthearted, kind of how you'd have like a Spider-Man banter. And that's the best part of this episode for me is as much of her character is in there. The thing that I feel kind of 
hamstrings in it, other than like the Kosulu tentacle like element being a little bit different, is they still have to follow the beats of like a Captain America story because that's what we're doing. We don't want to make it seem like, oh, if she's Agent Carter, everything changes. You know, it's it's not like a world shaking thing like you'd have with the T'Challa episode or even with especially with like the Doctor Strange episode. Yeah. Where just everything changes if this one thing changes. Which I was only a little bring, bit gets to change. Yeah, well I was going to bring that up is I, I do like even though I'm not a huge fan of the Captain America movies largely, um, I do like how this episode followed the similar beats of like Oh yeah, no, she's sacrificing herself and then she just pops up 70 years or 80 years, however long in the future. And then, yeah, we keep going with, with more Avengers stuff. Very poetic. Um, yeah. I, I like how though Captain America is just like woken up and thinks he's in the right time. And I'm, I mean, I guess Captain Carter also thinks she's in the right time and because mm-hmm. time moves weird in other dimensions, but like she's conscious and aware and they're like, Oh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no you're somewhere else she's like oh okay well i'm, I'm not gonna freak out about it mm-hmm. wait <laughs> um, wait you're not gonna run barefoot through Times square yeah okay exactly. we didn't we expected man you how did like, maybe he has a super powered immune system but i can only assume that he has several like terrifying diseases just from walking barefoot through Times square um, yeah, anywhere where El- Elmo has stepped is just diseased beyond <laughs> recognition. You know, that would have been great if he was running through Times Square and saw, and obviously it wouldn't have fit the tone for that moment because it's like an after after segment. Yeah. He could have seen like a, a dressed up Spider-Man. We're like, whoa, that's a weird one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> obviously they couldn't have done that at the time. It's, it's yeah. the whole license thing. That would have been a whole negotiation. So yes, I know. Other nerds can calm down. <laughs> um, from there, uh, we move into what if T'Challa became a Star Lord? Um, and so the conceit behind this one is, um, you know, the Ravagers instead of instead of collecting Peter Quill for ego, um, they, abs- they 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 kind of you know. Well, they don't kind of, they do fuck up. And they take T'Challa from Wakanda. Um, mm. I, I, I do like the, um, the the banter back and forth between uh, Yondu and the other Ravager, where they're like, is this the right one? He's like, mm, all the Earthlings are the same, right? They all look the same to me. They're, yeah. He's got two eye holes, one, yeah. mouth, one mouth hole, or I think he says a food hole. Yeah, food hole. Um, it's like, yeah, no, they're, they're all generally the same creature i guess whatever we'll just grab this one and tell him it's the one. yeah <laughs> um but then yeah like it, the episode kind of like guardians of the galaxy just cuts 20 years later um and t'challa is because chadwick boseman is i think much more charismatic than chris pratt um obviously t'challa is is also i think more, way more charismatic than mm-hmm. Peter Quill, um, and so he, and rather than being the 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 intergalactic scumbag that Quill is, T'Challa is actually respected. Like he fist bumps Thanos, who like mm-hmm. he convinced to not do the snap in yeah. his universe. Um, 
So what if the Ravagers picked the right person up, basically? Yeah, that could be the alternate title of this. What if if the Ravagers picked up the right person? Someone who wasn't useless. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And, you know, like, the reason he hasn't gone back, I think, is is well wrapped up, where Yondu's just like, yeah, no, Wakanda got demolished. Oops. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's what? it's great. It's great. Uh, the I enjoyed because from here it's pretty early in the episode where you get to see how stark the differences are. Yeah, and it's almost it's it's comedic in tone as well because you quickly realize, oh yeah, if T'Challa had been picked up, he would have done so much more with this agency. Yeah. Like this is a natural born leader. Yeah. Like he's a natural born leader and king. I mean, yeah. Um, born and bred, you know, raised for it, comes from a long line. And that I just mean so much as his influence, not somehow kingness is in his genetics. I'm not shilling for the, the British monarchy now. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're like, oh, wow. He, if he has the kind of stage where he can work on, he'd be able to resolve differences. He could take a ragtag team of pirates and thieves and just with the power of his argumentation and his intellect and perception, turn them into like this force of good around the universe. And uh, yeah, he would have met Thanos and been like, oh, you know, I see he would have come up to Thanos and be like, oh, I see you're a thinking man, you know, Um, as, as the meme goes. And, um, would have had a conversation with him, you know, because Thanos would have been interested in that. Um, and I love how Brolin came back to kind of play that and got yeah. to say some comedic lines. And uh, yeah, um, so it's it's comedic in that way. And it's also, I think it, it's just a cool story um, Yeah, to kind of set it up to where you have someone with that level of... Um, agency and you know, like you were saying charisma and what they could do with the position whereas chris pat was just like chris pat's character and, and it fits in the james gunn universe because his thing is it's a team of misfits yeah and like people that don't really fit in yeah um who make a, a family together where they all fit in by being misfits yeah it's a different type of story when, yes when you do that. yeah like exactly but yeah peter quill you know paints his bedroom with with yogurt um mm-hmm. um although i i do like the very end where they have uh uh kurt russell as ego approaching Mm -hmm. well who his life has amounted to him being a janitor and a dairy queen Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly um i forget exactly what they're going after because i have to admit this this is one that i get the feeling that he I feel like that he probably passed before all of his lines were recorded. Because I don't know. I, this I, one, I, there's so much mm-hmm. action in it that, mm-hmm. like, it, so much of it is punctuated with him, like, grunting or, like, recoiling or gasping. Mm-hmm. Like, those are things that, like, anyone can step in and do. Yeah. Yeah. There might have been some uh, human foley stuff. I mean, they did get to finish up the uh, last bits with him. Um, talking for the finale right 
Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I don't know how the like animation teams broke down with who was working on episodes, how far along they were, blah, 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 blah. Like, cause mm-hmm. all of it doesn't have to happen chronologically, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I don't know this, I, this one, I, I forget what they were going after. I know that the collector pops up in there, but it's, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. kind of nebulous to me. Like it, this one feels the most unfinished of the set. Oh, I disagree with that, but to, that's to okay. Me. Well, I mean, I not unfinished, <laughs> I guess is the wrong word, but like incomplete. Like, well, I it think... feels like there are sections that they could have added to, to keep it. Yeah. And... I feel like with, with this one, it feels like they had, they had fun with the concept. Um, they had more fun with the concept more so than maybe where it was supposed to end up. Um, because where it ends up really isn't, it's like, okay, Yandu's now here on earth, you know, he gets to visit Wakanda and that's, that's pretty much it. And T'Challa is now back at Wakanda and, you know, maybe he can be king. Maybe he's going to go out and still be with, uh, you know, the Ravagers. Um, they probably should think about renaming themselves, uh, in space and, He's really only picked up and used again from a story perspective, like like a lot of the characters for like the finale bits, um, and you have those storyline elements. But it feels um, maybe maybe it feels like it it just ends, uh, and maybe it just had to end because yeah. we're not going to go back. Well with that character we're going to be back at wakanda probably with um uh the other um gosh i'm terrible with names um killmonger yeah with killmonger's character that that storyline probably is going to need to be ended up even though killmonger's basically in stasis um spoilers for something we're already talking about um (laughs) at the season finale so even then maybe we don't have to go back there, but we might visit the world that he was in, because uh, you know Tony Stark's gone. Um, that's probably going to have some other consequences and could be revisited. But T'Challa's little segment probably does just have to end, you know. Um, yeah. Obviously, because he's, you know, Chadwick Boseman's gone. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's just like, okay, what are we going to do with this episode? Okay, well, we got to finish it up. It does feel like they they had a clear idea of what they wanted to do um, from like the main meat of the story, because that's that whole thing about the Ravagers and T'Challa being the replacement and having Thanos there and him being a comedic uh, character and also like a more noble character based on his new role. And then you have uh, um, Nakamura, you have Nebula, um, who's just completely reimagined because she yeah. hasn't been augmented other than her eyeball. Because um, yeah. conceivably T'Challa stepped in before that that continued to go on and on and on. So there's enough there, like they thought out changes and had fun with them that I feel like that was done. But maybe when you get to the end of it, it doesn't feel like, oh, they're going to go somewhere else with this. Uh, I don't know. This is definitely one of the stronger episodes for me. Um, okay. Yeah, I'd say this one and the strange episode are probably my favorite, other than parts of the finale. Yeah. yeah. 
right. Uh, did you have anything else on this one? Um, no, this one was great. Um, they just they hit on the uh, the tone of sort of like light James Gunn kind of interactions without you know having James Gunn but you you just yeah. you have more comedy elements throughout the whole episode it's one of the ones that have the best little bits where you whether you have um Drax at the bar and Drax uh you know being Drax talking about oh I look great in this photo but you look terrible you know let's take another one <laughs> um but then he gets to talk about his wife and his daughter because they're still alive in this universe because Thanos hasn't killed them right um and um you know, T'Challa being called Cha-Cha, and hopefully he has something uh, romantic set up with Nebula, because that is a beautiful blue woman. Um, her hair thing was really weird, and I'm still getting used to it. Uh, <laughs> Nebula, I just envision as a, as a bald goddess, but, you know, it works however that uh, gets set up. But I feel like this... It kind of looks like a wig, if I'm being honest. It looks yeah. like they have her, but they just dropped a little like blonde. Well, it's it's like uh, it's like foamy. It's like almost like way foamy, like yeah, uh, Nickelodeon style character hair, where it's just like really. Oh yeah, I see what you. See. Yeah, it looks like like uh, whipped cream. Yeah, <laughs> it's very foamy yeah. and creamy. Um, so I kind of get that, but um, yeah, I laughed again watching the episode. Uh, the third or fourth time so it's it's enjoyable um i was trying to think if they had like lighter heavier lighter heavier kind of set up for like the story arc but that it doesn't really follow that way um not really um i i feel like I don't know, like, there's some darkness here and there, but I feel like the uh, the Doctor Strange episode is probably the darkest one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything else is just kind of... What what you almost what you would expect from a, a an animated show. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it'll get dark, it'll get light, it'll get dark, it'll get light. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you'd think the zombies one like, would be the darkest, but it's really not. <laughs> it really isn't. It's really not. It's also really funny and like full of, you know, jokes where he's like, uh, you know, Happy's character is like pew, 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 pew. Um, and then after he turns into a zombie, I on a subsequent watch again, I noticed again that he's like pew, you know, he's like zombified, but he's still like making the pew, pew sounds every time he shoots off, you know, Iron Man's little... <laughs> hand that he has so it's still really light um and even though there's that uh that little segment i thought was even because i feel like too sometimes uh watching some of the content marvel-based content i'm like a kid just trying to eat like a bowl of ice cream yeah and i'm just trying to eat it too fast and so i don't really take any time with it so watching it again watching um the wasps uh, kind of sacrifice and her little conversation that she has with, um, you know, Peter Parker, Spider-Man uh, and the kind of the sunset and how she's carrying them to freedom in the zombie episode. Yeah. Um, was, uh, you know, a bit more touching. So yeah, that that's to say that there's softer points, but there's also, yeah. I think um, 
even in the lighthearted moments, there's some some better bits. So yeah, we can get into the worst episode. Uh, I was about to say, so there, there are aspects of this one that I like that. So this one is what if the world lost its mightiest heroes? The, the thought experiment of what happened if there were no Avengers, uh, what would Nick Fury do there? Um, is interesting, but honestly, I feel like this is an episode that they could have just not done. Um, so for anyone who, I don't know why you would be listening to this without watching this but uh for anyone who hasn't listened or hasn't watched this um this follows nick fury trying to create the avengers initiative um but all of his his uh prospects are killed um i think black widow accidentally kills tony stark uh with an injection um like he grabs his heart and then dies uh Hawkeye accidentally, like his bow accidentally goes off and kills Thor. Uh, Shield takes Hawkeye into custody and then he randomly dies. Um, mm-hmm. Hulk explodes. Uh, yes. And then Black Widow is investigating the other murders and is on the phone with Fury as she is killed. That says, and, and she gives him a clue. I forget what what the clue is exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. Meanwhile, <laughs> the Hulk exploding is just like so ridiculous. So too. ridiculous! It's the, like what? Um. <laughs> meanwhile, Loki, who who is uh, leading the um, Asgardians, uh, comes to Earth because they know that Thor got killed on Earth, and they're here to fuck some shit up. He's really the most. He's the most interesting little bit I think in yeah. this episode is Loki. Yeah. Um, because you're, you can't really tell. Like, is he trying to take advantage of the situation? But there's an honesty to like, he actually is just really pissed. His brother's dead. Like, he did not want his brother to die. He yeah. obviously cares about his brother, and so he's here to get retribution. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. Before they can do that, Fury, Fury, um tells loki hey we're we're gonna get the person responsible um because fury has realized that hank pym um michael douglas himself is the uh, the actual murderer and so he's just been like making himself super tiny and like stopping tony stark's heart and making the bowstring snap um for for hawkeye this that and the other uh because his daughter was apparently a shield agent that was she a shield agent in the continuity of this because um, i don't remember that being a plot I, th- I mean i know this is what yeah if, i think but... she's she works for him and then something happens to her uh and so then he blames um nick fury yeah yeah i think that's and the then idea. yeah but then then you know loki and the asgardians take take him into custody uh Loki stays on Earth uh, and says that he will become its new ruler. <laughs> yeah. So Fury still has to assemble heroes. So he yeah. lucks upon Steve Rogers and he calls back Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this episode. There are several moments where I was like, "Oh, that's actually kind of cool," and then mm-hmm. several moments where I was just like, "This is the dumbest episode in the world. Why the fuck did this see air?" <laughs> 
You know, because it, it doesn't feel like how they might have wanted to play it yeah. is like a mystery, you know, yeah. like, oh, who's doing it? It's not really long form enough, I think, to be a satisfying mystery or at least like have enough of a punch at the end to be like, oh, it was Pim. It's mostly just like this person dies. Oh, this person died. Well, it, person died. <laughs> every time it gets to the point where you think like, oh, OK, is it going to start here? The character dies and so it ends and so it, it almost feels like it doesn't get to have momentum you know because we have to watch all of earth's mighty's heroes just die you know get murdered yeah. like when the hulk explodes i was just watching it with my wife and i was like what did i just watch he just exploded <laughs> like the like a green inflatable balloon he's just like like if he took way too many like hulk roids and then just blew up uh, and it was gross. This is really gross. Yeah. Um, and so it, I almost feel like the uh, momentum of the show gets stopped every time that happens. And then you have the villain reveal, and you're like, it's it's a not it's it's the it's a character that's well acted, but isn't a main character in the Ant Man movie. Oh, that's the villain. Oh, okay. I guess. I mean, it's just, it's not very satisfying. Like he's not like a huge, big, bad. Uh, it's frankly impressive that he was able to take everyone out, but he has access to technology that nobody else does. So it makes sense. It's just kind of, uh, it feels kind of pointless and not really satisfying at the end of it. And then, yeah. okay. Loki takes, is trying to take over. Okay. That's cool. I guess he tried to do that before. And then we have we're going to have Captain Marvel and Captain America, both characters that we know and have seen before. So it doesn't feel like you're seeing too much new. It's more like, what if Earth lost its mightiest heroes in the lamest way possible? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, where the MCU has never gets off the ground because it doesn't get to have any of its movies. Of yeah. Captain America. <laughs> So that's, I think, was the problem with with me with this episode. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, if it were me, I would not have have put this one in. Like, I would have yeah. shut that that um, premise down. Like, cause on the surface, it's interesting, but like in in the realism of having a thirty minute time frame, like that, like that would. You could do something interesting with the premise. It needs yeah. to be longer mm -hmm. form for what they're trying to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that moves. Because it could be really sad. Like you could have build up and real, and you get a taste of it, like with Bruce Banner and um, his love interest, who is part of uh, Thunder. What's his face? His daughter. So you have like a little bit of interaction there. So you could get invested in these characters and still see them die. And then it would, it would hit so much more rather than just be like, Oh wow, they're here. Now they're gone. They're here. Now they're gone. Um, you know? And so I think that would benefit from a long form. I do like the black widow character and how she's kind of moving around yeah. and like trying to figure stuff out and having to be secretive. Um, and how I think she gets pegged for the murders within the episode. She does. Yeah. yeah so her little thing is interesting. Um, and that just makes me even sadder for the Black Widow movie that we did get. But um, 
Yeah. So this moves into my favorite one. <laughs> and and we're going to end this episode here, guys. Come back for part two. No, Actually, no, no, no. no. We, we, can, we can go through this. <laughs> no, this, this is one. number four. No, we're yeah. good. Yeah, this is number four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I was figuring we could go through... Four. Four? Uh-huh. You I think... Five I, since you've brought up the zombies? I think eight and nine uh, are Definitely have to much, be in the same one. Yeah, are pretty much in one. Yeah. So... So you want to go through seven and then do eight, nine in part two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, honestly, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> so uh, so this one, this is my favorite. I think this is the strongest written. I, Like I said before, I am more attracted to um, nihilistic, broken characters uh, being held accountable for themselves. I, I, I have an, a, a, a taste for that and, and my stories. Um justice and so i like this one hands down the best it's uh, what if dr strange lost his heart instead of his hands um so the outline for this one is uh obviously dr strange has to lose christine to go to countertage and become dr strange um he follows that path gets the eye of agamotto um, and then specifically wants to use it to keep her from dying. Um, Tilda, uh, not Tilda Swift, the ancient one, um, warns him that, uh, you know, if he does this, he can break reality, but he shuts that down, ignores her. Uh, and then for, I don't know how long, um, I can't remember if they put a time on it or if it's like that dark dimension time jump where it's just like, yeah, no, he exhausts every possibility of keeping her from dying, mm-hmm. but she always dies. Um, she is the victim. Of, like he, he goes through things that, that are heartbreaking when he starts realizing that he cannot save her where it's like, yeah, instead of going to this thing, let's just grab pizza down the street. Mm-hmm. Right. She has a heart attack and dies. Okay. Uh, I won't even pick her up. I will stand her up. Gas leak in the building and it explodes. <laughs> like yeah. things unconnected to him are making are like making it certain that she dies. And so, um, in in uh, consulting with the ancient one, she says that her death is a what is it a fixed point? Um, is that what she calls it? It's uh, something point. Yeah, it, it, it's something, but fixed. it. it it's they use the same phrase in multiverse of madness um but uh it's, yeah, it's it, fixed it, point mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's a, a timeline that or a fixed point that, that can't be undone in a time timeline and so strange ignores her again um she he starts using dark dimension power she, she splits him into two versions one where he accepts that palmer's is dead uh and the other strange kind of goes off the deep end and i kind of like watching the process of him becoming uh strange supreme um so fun it's what even the third or fourth time watching it's so delicious it's, it's so good because he starts off summoning this this very powerful beast that almost kills him uh and absolute decides, point sorry absolute point in time absolute point okay yeah. so so he 
I love the order that, yeah, like he, he almost gets killed and then goes, I know. I will start with the weakest first. <laughs> and so I, I love the point where he he um, he summons this thing that looks like a cockroach that's wearing a cape, mm-hmm. decides that it's not worth taking out the cockroach. So he just takes its cape. Yeah, he's like, I draw the line at, at insects, you know. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to consume you. But the first thing he consumes, which was acute, terrible, and uh, also horrifying, is that little gnome. Mm-hmm. Like, he grabs the garden gnome, and then our garden gnome's like, Arr! and then he's like, ah! Yeah. Exactly what a garden gnome would do if you picked him up by his collar and showed him who's boss. Um, and then he takes the uh, cockroach-looking things, uh, cape and cow, because the cow is just so cool and pointed. Yeah, and, and, and so this, this version of, of Strange has his own fucked up evil cape. Um, I gotta admit, I like the cape uh, in this one. I much prefer Sam Raimi's cape of fucking screaming tormented ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit better. But yeah. this one's still pretty fucking metal. Um, it feels kind of Raimi-esque-ish. The, yeah, uh, the horde of yeah. monsters and all the stuff in that regard yeah him, him summoning these things and then you know he, he works his way up to the giant thing that he initially gave him problems and he conquers it no problem mm-hmm. um it's the same thing that captain carter fights if you notice it's it's like the same tentacly thing from the void that yeah that is uh that she's fighting yeah i don't um, know if it's been verified if that's supposed to be um Oh, I think it is. Like my head canon is that it's the exact. Well, same no, thing. no. It's if it's supposed to be Shuma Garath or not. Which I'm gonna. You can't say Shuma Garath because they don't own the rights to Shuma Garath from some weird licensing thing. Um, but for all intents and purposes, it's supposed to be Shuma Garath. And I think oh. that creature that's in Multiverse of Madness is also supposed to be Shuma Garath, but they can't call it Shuma Garath mm. because again, they don't have the licensing. Um, but that is kind of weird because I feel like the creature in um, in this bit, the one that both of them interact with, is more powerful. Because if you notice, he I don't think he he doesn't even take it on. Like he doesn't consume it all. Yeah. That tentacle creature. Well, because I just I got done watching it uh, today. Yeah. Um, but he just opens the portal. He has the portal closed to cut off its tentacles. Yeah. And so then he only gets like a small segment of its power from the tentacles. Oh, and that's, that's like right. enough. Okay. Because like Shuma Garath in, again, uh, in the Multiverse of Madness, Shuma Garath, in, at least in the comics universe, is a, is a being that exists between dimensions. Um, Wanda Maximoff is very, very powerful. Um, and can like shape the universe, but Shuma Garath just goes to dimensions and like takes them over. Like he has multiple dimensions that he just comes in and wrecks. So this is just a nerd conversation about power scaling. And I feel like in the what if episode, they have the power scaling pretty on point because even with as powerful as he was, he doesn't want to take on that creature, like whole hog, like consume it. He's just going to take a little bit of the tentacle and that's it, you know? even after getting so OP. So, okay, I see Shuma Garath. Um, I don't know who owns the... I, I think it's Lionsgate, because mm-hmm. Shuma Garath is part of the... When Marvel was doing the Conan um, mm-hmm. comic line. 
So Shumagraph is is lumped in with Conan stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yes. So so the the leg he consumes. Finally, he has to get to the good strange, and he has to absorb the good strange. Which watching um, the fight again, it's so good. It like, really I, is. I feel like it's and this is something talking about several of these animated episodes even uh further on like the last two episodes what you can do in animation is really limited by your budget uh and your imagination um and budget's a huge factor obviously um but imagination and budget if you have enough of those you can get these beautiful shots um and that fight where you know they're using portals they're traveling through as much as I really enjoyed the Sam Raimi fight uh, between the two Doctor Strange, this fight is just so meteor. It's like meteor. It's more inventive. Yeah. Like you, more imagination. And I, I don't think that's that's not a knock on Raimi or any of the filmmakers. It's just no, no, you no. don't have the kind of same limitations um, that you do in like actual visual media. Right. Um, and like all those budgetary constraints and okay, we can't do this uh, CG thing because it looks funny. They still look like rubber band people when they're having to fight in the air because they're <laughs> both fully CG. Yeah. When you do that animated, it's just, uh, you could, I mean, there's... It's stylized to a yeah, point that, yeah, it's... It's stylized, and we've seen it again and again. You know, you have, you know, uh, anime, and you have other, you know, Western types of animation, um, and there's just so much you can do with that and i think they really honed in on that strength and you can see that within that fight and just how inventive it is and just how involved and and interesting um you know that exchange was yeah well and and this is you know finally strange supreme overwhelms good strange and uh uses his powers to resurrect uh christine which like the ancient one said tears reality apart um so uh, supreme sees the watcher and begs him to help and the watcher follows his oath and does not intervene so in this reality uh dr palmer disintegrates uh everything burns around him and he's just by himself Mm-hmm. in this unit in an empty universe grieving yeah. um i love it it's nom, 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 nom. <laughs> <laughs> so good <laughs> zach likes to see justice it's just nom, 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 nom. Yeah. yes give me the misery right there <laughs> yeah um, um yeah it's uh it's pretty fun um overall as an episode yeah especially when you get to see at the end where you know you get a little bit better ending of of his story arc yeah um because i think after watching it that episode i just looked over at my wife and i was like oh that's depressing is it not she's like yeah that's super depressing so the first time i watched it it was one of those experiences i had where like that i still had because we're we're re-watching bojack horseman right now where there mm-hmm. are certain episodes even of that still even though this is like the third time through um we're like when i was watching this for the first time i was sitting there i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> don't want to cry but i can't help it 
<laughs> it's yeah. so good that that when when you find things like that that can be emotionally uh, effective yeah um, especially Devastating. something that shouldn't like it's a comic book it, it shouldn't be that emotionally just devastating yeah it, it can be it can be the medium yeah. can do that you know that but yeah. you wouldn't expect it within this format like I'm no gonna i, I wouldn't expect it in an animated show on disney plus like yeah. that is not where i would go, yeah. go to <laughs> yeah and i feel that. like they really really went with that and it's this is a better strange story than than we've seen there's been strong spots in the first movies specifically but this is a better story about dr strange than we've seen in the films um yeah i'll second that this yeah. is this is a much stronger version of of what strange is granted they're not limited by physically doing the types of things that dr strange does because yeah yeah um, so it makes sense that it would be that way yeah, because can you imagine how expensive the fight between Thanos and Strange was? Just that segment where, like, you have all the ribbons and then you have the planet that gets thrown in and then a whole yeah. bunch of Benedict Cumberbatches, like, <laughs> repeating across and then throwing the fibers. Like, that has to be so expensive, Yeah, you know, to shoot in, like, time and then, like, check. And so it's just different limitations of the medium. So if they wanted to tell these kind of stories, I really hope they know that the audience is there for that. And I'm almost, I'm almost disappointed or not disappointed. I'm almost a little sad that the first outing of these stories, well, actually there's a catch 22 with that. The first outing of like, they're really strong animated stories. Yeah. Um, and like a Disney plus like new MCU format take place within like the what if paradigm because i think that could just be that could just be a doctor strange story yeah. um and, and i think you see that within larger comic book arcs because characters get retconned or they get rebooted or like something else happens or they lose a partner you know peter parker loses aunt may um or he discovers he's a clone not a great storyline but i'm just putting in that it doesn't have to be a what if to where you get a story like this, it can just happen along in the run. And if you had like a, a longer animated arc, I mean, I'd, I'd be there for a Doctor Strange animated series, you know, with this style and like exploring different like monsters and different issues and stuff and just keep it totally separate, yeah. you know, from like the MCU world. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think they're going to do that no, i know they have to tie everything back into each other yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean this so far is it's still kind of separate uh this what if thing but it's i think it's separate because just by the conceit of it like what if like this is yeah. the, this is the concept so what if things weren't like how they are in the mcu and yeah there's something totally different um but yeah, I'd be on board for that because uh, there's there's just so many interesting Doctor Strange stories to tell. And I felt this after watching the the Multiverse of Madness where I was like, you know, it's really a shame that unlike the comic book characters, we have to wait such a long time to see another iteration of this kind of story 
um, because when you have a comic book line, every couple you know years or so, they have okay, everybody's line or these these big main lines or these big main lines and some of the smaller ones that we need want to drum up some readership for. They're going to have like a bigger connected storyline they're working towards. Um, but in the meantime, like the Doctor Strange comics can still have like weird stuff because I, I bought a couple for my wife uh, like a year or two ago because I just thought, oh, this might be kind of interesting. And they were. Um, but you can just explore different story elements and play around with the character. And I don't have to wait however long until like the next Doctor Strange movie. Like there's not another one on the peg that I'm, I'm aware of. Uh, not on that board that they put out. Um, so I'm not aware of it. So it's like, uh, you know, there's so many other stories that, you know, maybe we don't have to. And I mean, I could go read the comics if I want. Yeah. But this was just like, oh, wow, they could do an animated thing and we could get a lot more of this. And I don't have to wait however many years until the next uh, Doctor Strange movie comes out that has so many other things riding on it, so many other storylines that it won't have the freedom maybe to spread its wings and to like to focus on the character. Because I know we talked about in the Multiverse of Madness sort of review um, from Romimi Mimi's, like it just really felt kind of hamstrung by the fact that this is a Wanda Maximoff movie too. Like we got to finish her arc. And so it just really felt like we didn't get enough of Doctor Strange. And like the first movie was like a, a little palette tease. It's like, oh, wow, we could do so much cool stuff. And then here it's like, oh, okay, we got to end Wanda's thing. She also does magic. Yeah. So let's end that storyline. And so watching it again, I was just like struck by how much, oh, yeah, I really want to do want to see other stuff with this character. And it's, Maybe this will be how I have to get it if they decide that's you know a route they want to go on. But... Yeah. Um. Now that does push us along into episode five, which is "What If Zombies," which they, funnily enough, you you bringing that up, they are spinning that out into its own separate show. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually perfect timing. So. Um, this one, the premise is that Hank Pym um, is infected by by Janet um, in the quantum realm, which I actually really like that as the start of a because I don't know if that's how it started in the um, the comics because I never read the comics, but um, <clears throat> I, I like that as an idea. It kind of harkens back to like the you know Night of the Living Dead, the, the infected satellites. Um, being the the root cause of of or satellites that are burning up in the atmosphere is the root cause of people turning into zombies um just that like perversion of science um mm -hmm. and so when when they when he brings her back to earth uh that's that's what causes the zombie apocalypse it comes from the quantum realm um i forget how much later uh there is and it's been a while since I've seen this, so I do have the Wikipedia up for this one. Um, <clears throat> so there's Bruce Banner, Hope Van Dyne, Peter Parker, Bucky Barnes, Okoye, Sharon Carter, Happy Hogan, and Kurt, um, who learn that there is a cure at Camp Lahai. Um, 
the uh, Hogan dies. Uh, is it? Yeah, it's Hogan Carter. Here, I'll just rip that back up. <laughs> so, because there's a lot of characters in this one. Um, so, mm-hmm. so Hogan Carter and Hope um, all yeah, get killed. Um, yeah, Iron Man there. Um, they they meet Vision. Uh, he claims that his mind stone can reverse the virus uh, because one of the funnier bits in this one that I found was they have they have Ant-Man's head kept alive in a jar. It's just his head. And it's it's Paul Rudd being his charismatic charismatic self. <laughs> um, I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, just having him. Yeah, I'm just a, a dude in the head. And I'm going to comment on shit. Um However, it's a one-two punch because it's one of the darker things in the show's run where Wanda is immune to the cure and so Vision has just been cutting off pieces of a living T'Challa and feeding them to her. Mm. <laughs> Which is just... Ugh. <laughs> At least I'm thinking he cauterizes it. He just like vases it off I would with his laser. So. It's just I- like... Psh- I would really, I would hope so, um, because uh, yeah. Otherwise, that yeah, that's that's that is terrible. <laughs> um, just letting it bleed there, yeah, it would be awful. Um, so Wanda gets loose, uh, kills Kirk, Okoye, and Bucky. Vision kills himself so that he can give Peter Parker the Mind Stone. Uh, and then Bruce Banner transforms into the Hulk and sacrifices himself to battle Wanda. Mm-hmm. Um, to get the the energy to go over the world, um, the last remaining heroes, Peter Parker, um, Lang, and T'Challa all go to Wakanda where there is a zombified Thanos who has an almost complete Infinity Gauntlet. All he's missing is the mind stone, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I do love and hear how uh, cognizant all the zombies are. Like, they still... Yeah, there's, they still have some of their, like, cognitive ability. Yeah, I mean, they have, like, uh, you with Wong or with Strange, like, they're still able to overtake yeah. people. and they're But everything's motivated by, I want to bite this person and eat them. Like, that's the central driving thing. Um, so, uh, I, I was trying to remember, cause I know that, um, Hulk runs into the, uh, the big field of zombies. Yeah. But does he, do we see him die? We don't see him die. I'm, I'm just saying, like I said, it's been a while since I've seen this specific one. I mean, I just saw it, and I'm questioning whether we see him die. So it's not. The Wikipedia a... says that he sacrifices himself to fight Maximoff. Yeah, because I don't see her kill him. Everybody leaves, and he's from everything we saw. He's immune to the zombie bite. Yeah, you know, like they tried to bite him, and he's the Hulk, so right. they can't kill him. Um, so I'm wondering, just for the sake of like talking about. Uh, Marvel zombies 
show if they're going to continue on if we're going to see like a bruce banner later yeah. since he's going to be uh, you know pretty immune to um getting bit by these folks unless they bite him when he's uh you know uh banner i think they i think what happens is they try to bite him but then is it that part only turns into the hulk <laughs> i'm trying to remember um i think I'm gonna have so. to that again yeah so in any case, I wasn't trying to got you. I was actually just trying to remember. No, no, yeah, and and you know, like I said, I Doctor Strange is my favorite episode. Um, I I watched these maybe maybe three four weeks ago for a second time, so my memory is fuzzy on the exact particulars of things like the zombies one, where there's like thirty characters because they're all gonna die in ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, and, and, uh, you know, we, we were chatting on the side back and forth. This is probably going to be the, the one that we put a pin in this show and then come back for a part two for episodes six, seven, eight, and nine, which really, I would argue that eight and nine should just be one episode, one super long episode that should pull a stranger things. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, that that one really makes no sense as as one episode but um yeah we'll we'll uh see you guys in a couple weeks with part two of marvel's what if um the current book club is eyes of the dragon by stephen king from the 80s um it's interesting it's an interesting book but uh we'll talk about that separately um did you have anything to say final thoughts on these first five episodes uh yeah i'm really excited for what they can do yeah with the animated format uh even without a a what if attached to it i thought the production quality was just really great the art style i thought was um really nice because you get to have you know uh, it's CG animated characters now. It's it's been moving along, you know. Yeah. Oh for yeah. It's such a bit. It's so further along than where it started. It's way better than those shitty ships and the last Starfighter. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's way further along, and with the lighting and the particular effects that they have to kind of help build the world, um, and the quality of like the voice acting uh, that they had here. And a lot of the writing, you know, for for a good majority of the episodes, um, I just I actually just want to see more animated content like of this caliber on Disney Plus. So while I am excited about a Marvel Zombies show, I feel like maybe they got a bunch of internet buzz with that one, um, and that's where they're. Because I'm sure they see metrics with people, like how many people watched a particular episode. Right. Um, but I would really hope their takeaway isn't, okay, Marvel zombies. That's why this was so successful. Because it's an animated thing about zombies. And zombies are still hot. And more so like, oh, we could do other animated things and put this kind of budget and kind of work towards. Because it's just, it's so great, you know. Um, and I think you could alleviate some of the issues with fans like me who are like, 
okay, I'm going to have to wait for, you know, a couple more years to see another story for this or because even animation well, is its own kind of field. And we've seen a lot of strong stuff from DC, which we were talking about in the me, me, me. We haven't seen stuff like this, I think, of this caliber um, uh, within within like the modern MCU kind of flavor thing. You've had other like Marvel stuff, obviously. So yeah, I hope we have I, I more. Mean, I don't think you're going to have to wait too much longer just because the um, the pandemic really fucked up their release schedule. <laughs> so I don't know if you've noticed or, or, or kept track of when the original releases for these movies were supposed to be. But like they have phase four condensed through 2021 to 2022 phase five is 2023 to 2024 and then six is 24 to 25 so like they've just crammed everything together so like in uh 2023 you're gonna get four movies mm -hmm. um you know phase six right now is just three movies as of time of recording it's fantastic four and then the two avengers movies because see uh phase four and phase five do not have avengers movies yeah um and we were talking a few weeks ago where where you had correctly predicted kang um yeah and then i had correctly predicted secret wars so we were both kind of right <laughs> yeah the rumblings were there the rumblings yeah but uh, i was happy when i saw that when they released that i was just like okay i was wrong but also right and richard was wrong <laughs> but also right <laughs> yeah i'm i'm looking forward uh yeah so i want to see more of this kind of stuff i guess is my yeah takeaway more of this because i can imagine like a you know a seven eight episode <laughs> animated series of like dr strange yeah you know the i don't know something stupid the wonderful world of Doctor Strange, or some some <laughs> stupid title that I could think of. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I know nobody's listening in, in the Marvel heads, but hopefully, we get more of this kind of stuff because this is watching it again, especially in the context of sort of the lukewarm uh, Phase Four. I feel um, Phase Four is bad. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's just it's just not as focused, and yeah, in some in some respects, I think that's it's been good because I think we get a Hawkeye, and there's no there's no universe in phases one through three where Hawkeye gets his own show. <laughs> yeah, no. you know, um, and, well, and uh, I, so. I think it's weird whenever I hear people bring up like Marvel fatigue. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm sure that there are some people that don't want any more of these movies mm -hmm. and stuff i still think there's a pretty deep well for them to draw from i'm you know still excited when one comes out <laughs> yeah anybody who talks about fatigue right. fatigue needs to realize how many fucking episodes of the real housewives there are yeah like if you give people what they want they'll just they'll come to the trough you know yeah yeah. Well, and I mean, usually people couch it behind like, yeah, these movies are ruining the industry and ruining the art because everyone's trying to chase superheroes because that's all that makes money and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I. <laughs> the industry wasn't doing great before Marvel got here, guys. 
like I just saw um, over my wife's shoulder the uh, Nathan Strange movie, and uh, you know Marvel didn't have anything to do with uh, that that not performing as well as it should have. Yeah, I mean they're <laughs> come on, like blockbusters have been around since the seventies, like. Mm-hmm. Cool, calm, calm thine titties down a yeah. little bit. Like that, it it just because what it comes across as is like people with sour grapes who are like, well, I don't like this, but everyone likes it. It's like, oh yeah, I don't. People <laughs> want to talk to me about this, and I don't know anything about it, and so then I feel ostracized. It's like, oh well, I don't know. Yeah. Hang out with some other people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, it's. <laughs> It's a movie. Go go to a different one. If, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. I will still be here enjoying these, uh, regardless of the quality. <laughs> yeah. I so, will say that for Phase 4, just because of the lack of direction, and being released with a pandemic, and also Chadwick Boseman dying, because um, I was just looking, apparently there was a Star-Lord T'Challa um, series planned that he had signed oh, for and wow he died before the heartbreaking i mean yeah because it feels like yeah that would have been because that's when they could do a very kitty show mm-hmm. where it's the wonderful world of star lord t'challa yeah um wow that would have been fun yeah. i mean i i, I would have been there yeah so so yeah like like phase four has been kind of a mess but like there are external factors for that as well like i don't think char- chalking it up to marvel fatigue or whatever is is correct like i i think that the world is different and they kind of had to reshuffle i think phase five and six are going to be awesome yeah yeah, yeah we'll see they uh they've done some you know i, I watched uh, the miss marvel show which i mentioned before that was fun and entertaining oh, I still need to see it yeah yeah it was entertaining it's, it's very very light but um, she was charming enough, um, and um, yeah, so different things. And I think w- what they rightly wanted to do was sort of free it from having like a central connective narrative. Yeah. So everything has to be like hamstrung, um, and so you don't get to tell like an individual story. Uh, but you want it to be part of a greater universe, and it's kind of like a have your cake and eat it too sort of situation. Mm, gotcha. I feel like if if you get to go with the the Disney Plus world and you get to do animated things or just do like separate um, kinds of um, series, like I'd watch I'd watch a season two of Hawkeye. I, I, I would, I really would. Um, oh would yeah, be- no, it, it was like it surprised me because. Um... Hawkeye is, you know, not my favorite character. Um, mm-hmm. And then that show, like, I was kind of grudgingly watching it. And I was mm-hmm. like, halfway through episode one, I was like, I think this is actually really good. <laughs> I think I think Jeremy Renner is a good actor. And when he has great, like, good writing, he's able to pull it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know he's a great actor. I just, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't like that character, his stories generally. Yeah. But um yeah i think for me loki and and hawkeye are probably the high points <laughs> yeah and so we can have more of that so i think yeah. getting things kind of separated means you can have like a, a loki or 
Loki feels like it's part of the greater Kang thing. Yeah, yeah. If you if you mention though like Kang to Hawkeye, he'd be like, "What? Who? Huh? You know?" Um, so I think we can get some more stuff like that, and that's what I feel the strength. But then also you get. Um, Well, you do get, um, I I like parts of Shang-Chi. I liked it. It was so different. Yeah. From what they had done before. I I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. The Um, other universe bit, that other dimensional bit was, and I think, I mean, that's probably just has to do with, okay, we got to get the whole, um, his whole thing out of the way. And, Honestly, if I was, I don't know how many huge Shang-Chi fans there are out there, but if I was probably more versed in his story, like that whole other universe, that other dimension thing would probably make more sense because I'd have some of the other puzzle pieces, you know, so it wouldn't have felt so foreign. Um, Wow, that's really like a racist term there. It wouldn't have felt so out there to me um, in regards to like some of the elements, but I, I did think the um, father-son relationship, the the son-daughter relationship thing, they were good. So, Well, I just want to know when the fuck they're going to e- just bring up or briefly mention in one of the movies uh, the justification for what's everyone doing about that half-formed celestial? Nothing. Like, Eternals really fucked up the continuity of these movies. They're uh, they're they're figuring out some new maritime maps uh, in order to navigate the celestial. But just it coming out. Do you know how many hundreds of millions, if not billions, of people would have died? And like the best that I've seen online is someone's theory of like, well, after the blip, I think that the society is just uh, kind of inured to these catastrophes, and it's like. I don't know. Do you, do you want to live in a world like where you know, people are just like blithe about catastrophe? I do want to see a show about that. Have it be like uh, yeah. like damage not... control. Yeah. Well, well they I tried never to saw do that. that, but they tried to do it. Um, I watched like a couple minutes of it, and then I was like, ah, okay. This is. I think it was more network TV than anything, which is why I left it. I'm not a usually huge fan. Um, and, uh, I'd love to just see some, like a show about people that they're just really sick and tired of like these superheroes that just came out of nowhere for them, just fucking up their lives. Yeah. Um, cause you have to have the guy let's, you gotta have the guy who, um, had his condo and his business destroyed in New York. Yeah. Um, you, um, half of the uh, planet's population blipped, (laughs) which is statistically random by chance, right? But the way statistics work is it's, it's statistics. It's, it's probability. Uh, It's, it's not an absolute thing. So everybody in his family other than him blipped out and, and uh, he was running like a business, uh, you know, maybe like um, airtime travel. So he had a bunch of planes fall out of the sky. He's been bankrupt. So when that Eternals thing also came out, just constantly getting screwed up 
when that Eternals uh, Eternal came out, he was like on like a boat, just trying to relax and get away from it all. And then this big ass hand just comes out of his ass and like flips his boat over and he's got to deal with that. So you got to have people who've had these experiences and who are just tired of it. You know, yeah, just I, I just, yeah. I like I said before, Eternals would be an interesting sci-fi movie if it were not taking place in the continuity of the MCU. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's introduced so many things that it's just like, how? we're just not going to talk about this, are we? <laughs> um, and the other thing that, that I kind that kind of grinds my gears, I know we, we need to wrap up, but um, I was thinking people complaining about the, um, the like mid and post credit stuff and it's like well yeah like the first the first and second phase is like the breadcrumbs for for people who kind of know that surface level like comics of like oh the hammer that means thor's coming out next mm-hmm. it's like ooh right the types of the types of mid and post credit scenes they're doing now are for like people like you and me or even nerdier people where it's just like yeah here's pip the troll in star fox (laughs) (laughs) here's fucking hercules like oh hercules okay all right this i like i know who those characters are i don't know where they're going the storyline by introducing them here but (laughs) exactly i saw hercules and i was like okay now what i was like okay hercules all right what are you gonna do with him is he gonna punch thor really hard oh you don't say thor might punch him really hard too like what are you gonna do yeah um yeah it's 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 been weird yeah so we'll see but uh yeah we'll we'll continue talking about this in a couple weeks and um yeah we'll see you then bye see you guys